Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Transformers colon The Last Night. Is it The Last Night, Abe? Is it? I mean, it's a fortnite. <sighs> Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, good afternoon. Good evening? Good evening. Good good twilight, good, twi- good dusk? Good summer second day? I, this matters so much because of the visuals that are going on in this podcast right now. <laughs> uh, regardless, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other film movie topics. This is episode 289, 289... 289, the price of gas about a year ago. <laughs> so, sometimes still true. Uh, sometimes still true, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, this, and for episode 289, we are talking Transformers, colon, The Last Night. The fifth entry, all five being directed by Michael Bay, in the Transformers cinematic franchise, which is going apparently to expand into a Transformers cinematic universe starting next year. And I'm sure we all cannot wait to get into <laughs> all of that. Joining us to discuss, in the meantime, joining us to discuss Transformers colon the last night, we have, he transforms into a waffle machine equipped with a rocket launcher. It's Jordan Grout. Wah, 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 wah. Hello, Autobots. <laughs> also, That's pretty good. Also, he hangs out with Autobots in Cuba. It's professional wrestler, Alan Aguilera. Happy Magic Hour, everybody. How are we doing? I paid $2.05 for gas today. Oh. So. That is... Look at this guy over here. I'm jealous. Wow. And that was pretty high for the area. What so. were you driving? Your Wayback Machine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, in Carolina. Yes. It's <laughs> not bad. I'm jealous. Well, Alan, Jordan, glad to have you guys both here. How are the two of you doing today? It's Better now. be here. I'm so excited to talk about transformers it's like i feel every time a transformers movie comes out it takes a little bit on my soul but it makes me look younger <laughs> it's like my it's my fountain of youth and i think it makes all of us just 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 hate life it's just bad well let's recap a little podcast history for those that like to go down memory lane on the out now podcast um you guys we do you guys have been on we've this is our third transformers film we've done on this podcast now starting with 2000 mm-hmm. 2011's Transformers: Age of Extinction, followed by 2014's Transformers. Or sorry, 20, 2011's Transformers: Dark. Dark of the Moon. Then tra- 20, no, 2014's Transformers: Age of Extinction. Now the last night, and I believe that Dark of the Moon episode in particular that was that was a that was a memorable, fun episode fe- featuring the two of you <laughs> on there. It was one of my finest life moments. I <laughs> love that episode. Now, Abe, do you recall this, right? This was that was a fun that was a fun episode. That was a good one. That was when Alan was like, uh, "This is what my priest sounds like," and then he made no noise. <laughs> <laughs> Great. He's like, "Oh wow, that, that's accurate." Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we we had that episode, then we obviously had Age of Extinction, and now we're here again, where we had the two of you on together for each of these Transformers episodes. So it's a nice reunion of sorts. That said, why are we not getting you guys back on together more often? I don't know why we're waiting three years at a time. That's a little weird. But um, here we are. We've done it for this I ask movie. that every day. <laughs> and yeah, so the the whole plan here is to go over Transformers the last night as we get into the episode. I will say now 
that will probably be a full spoilers Transformers review. Where I don't, anyone that wanted to see Transformers probably saw it this past weekend, and anybody that's going to see it probably isn't too concerned about the various layers and twists that are going on in this latest Transformers movie. I feel like there are no real spoilers <laughs> because the whole entire movie, as we'll get into, is just unfolding before your eyes and kind of bad. Well, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> but yes, we so I think that our review filled with spoilers is gonna make people want to go see it. If anything, that's that's really the case. <laughs> Please don't because you vote with your dollars and yeah. we don't want to see more of this. But we support auteur Michael Bay, so I want you know <laughs> if it means that he gets he gets a little more cred out of this to go on to whatever next project he has, whatever next passion project he goes to, which he's team he's been doing now between Transformers movies. Well we'll see. Bad Boys Three. He's not doing Bad Boys Three. We know no. this for no. sure. <laughs> Bad Boys Four. <laughs> you laugh now. But we'll see what happens. It was announced. In the I think. I think it was like announced on Will Smith's page or something like that. But that. Who knows? No, they are doing. They, the plan was to do two Bad Boys films, and now it's currently back to just doing one Bad Boys film. So oh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll see, the time will tell on where the Bad Boys. We're not talking here to talk about Bad Boys. No, so. no, but not. wait, will they ever be Bad Men? That's a good <laughs> point. I that's that's a solid question. You got to. We got to tweet at Martin Lawrence right now. Oh, he's waiting. <laughs> Um, let me let me pull up the Twitter machine. All right, sent. <laughs> All right, let's come on. Let's get into some show notes. So <laughs> before we get before we get into more of this, uh, let's see. Let's get let's, let's do some show notes stuff. So first up, the the banner contest. Uh, it's open. Yeah, Available. it's open. We we were looking to get a new uh, Facebook banner photo. Um, something that fits the vibe about now. Aaron and Abe says out now. Aaron and Abe on there isn't anything explicit obviously anyone that sends us a banner will get some kind of prize anyone within the u.s will get shipped some kind of fancy blu-ray package it'll be great i, I think that'll work if out if you've well. got artistic talent or if you don't have artistic talent we'd love to see what you craft anyway or just yeah great photoshopping skills anything works really or if you just hand drew it with like a pencil and paper oh That'd i'd be i'd really be great. all about seeing like one of our listeners kids like our <laughs> one of the one of our listeners as exactly. a parent as a parent forces their kid their child to draw <laughs> just, us a facebook banner spray on yeah <laughs> I'm down, but yeah, we appreciate any uh, entries, and you'll be uh, you'll be able to win some pretty neat prizes. Transformers: Age of Extinction. I don't think Aaron and I would be that cruel. <laughs> if my head was on Optimus Prime and you were on Bumblebee, that'd be a pretty cool looking photo, I think. Regardless, <laughs> let's let's move on from that. Let's move on to our next thing. Our new commentary track is up. We talked about Terminator Two: Judgment Day for this month's commentary track. That's available now. We've been talking about. Batman and Robin, but we had to push back on that one a little bit. Yes, unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, we had to push back on Batman and Robin, but that will happen at some point. So just be, you know, you be aware that's coming. But yeah, for now, just just feel free to enjoy Brandon Peters and myself along with Abe eventually talking about Tran- uh, Terminator Two: Judgment Day, um, the whole movie. A lot of fun to do. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, it's on iTunes and Audio Boom everywhere, else so you can find us now. All over the web. Mm-hmm. What else? iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can do just that. Give us a star rating. That'd be cool. You can even type us a little review. That'd be even great. Or just send us a whole bunch of emojis within the review on iTunes. That'd be yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Welcomed. Just smiley faces, barf face. You know. I don't. I don't think barf face would be a bad one. A good one for the for the reviews. But yeah, just you know <laughs> something. No, they're laughing so much that they're barfing. That that's what it is. If it's described it, in the review, then sure. Yeah, I, I it culminates into a car. Oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. What else? Episode 300. It's coming. Coming. Abe and I have actually made some unofficial plans to talk about episode 300. So, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. And yeah, uh, la- last thing here, uh, let's do a little catch up on the uh, the summer gamble, the sixth annual summer movie gamble. Oh, where I think we should just go on to the next segment. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to get into the gamble a little bit. No. Because uh, Abe and I, along with uh, 10 other 
uh, out now frequent guests, including Jordan and Alan, have all submitted their what they think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. And <clears throat> as we do every week now, uh, we, we kind of go over the box office results. Transformers the last night, which three years ago, we, we all put at the top of the list what we all thought. It turned out to be Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a surprise, but we all thought the, Gar- the Transformers would probably be the number one movie of the summer. It has gone from that to this this Transformers film, which opened with a, a Wednesday to, to Sunday total of $69 million. Uh, which is nice. a franchise low <laughs> for the series, uh, yeah. as far as an opening opening weekend, opening five day gross. Gross is just that. It's it's that's not great for Transformers. It'll still. Aaron, do you know what uh, the previous one opened at? A lot higher. I know that. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Offhand, no. So, so I, it was it was over a hundred. Yeah. But didn't Pirates Five do more in their four day Memorial Day than Pirates? Transformers didn't? Pirates is do, uh, um, between the two fifth and the fifth, fifth of the franchise entries. Pirates did do do better, and it's going to have a higher domestic gross total over Transformers. Transformers will still get to like 140, maybe. Um, maybe by, by the time by, by the end of our of our gamble. By the end of our gamble, domestic yeah, domestically, but you know, not, not certainly not high for Transformers. I know some of us had it much higher than others on the on the list there. Um, so we'll we'll see where that ends up. Meanwhile, cars. Second weekend, holding up pretty strong, twenty-five million. Not bad. Uh, yes. like at a hundred million total. Not uh, yeah, at a hundred million total. Not a huge drop. To playing around the same as uh, Monsters University did, which I believe that film was like number four or five that summer. By the time things were yeah. ended, uh, which is around where I have cars. I think Alan, you have a pretty high too, right? Oh yeah, I thought it was gonna be like Finding Dory, and no. No, I was wrong. Not, not quite, but it's up there. It's doing, it's doing some business. I mean, I was in a position where I considered Cars an honorable mention. So, like, the fact that it's making money is working oh, out wow. for me. Like, it's, it's now in my list and it's doing reasonably well. But also, because of Transformers, that opens up a lot of potential for other movies to make it into the top ten. Because that's not performing nearly as well as uh, some of us might have thought. So, uh, it's accurate. Hey, remember how I forgot to put that? I forgot that Transformers was even coming out this summer. I didn't even put on my top ten. Yep, working out great for me. It, it, it is. It's working out fine. It's not. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I mean, <laughs> uh, speaking of not a bad thing at all, Wonder Woman is continuing to do pretty amazing. It's still on. Kudos. It's not out of the question for it to be the number one film of the summer. <laughs> like that's right. how. That's yeah. how strong. It's, it's actually very close. It, I think Guardians is at three eighty. Wonder it, Woman's at three eighteen. It's closing that gap if it continues to have the kind of legs that it has so far. Um, Well, I need it to be number one so Guardians can stay at number two because that's where it is on my wager. I've been on top of this the past week. That'd that'd be 15 points for you right there. That'd be great for you. It wouldn't be 15. It'd be a a good chunk of points, that's for sure. Yeah, It's Um, enough. Yeah. (laughs) It's enough. Yeah, that's right. It'd be 10 points. Yeah. Everything else, like the mummy's still spiraling out of there. Uh, Rough Knight's doing nothing. Captain Underpants is not doing I mean, as far as summer gamble goes, not doing, not doing much. Um, right. Uh, none of us had all eyes on me, like in even in like a dark horse. But that movie, after after, think, after uh, a pretty yeah. strong opening, it really took a dive in the second weekend uh, with just five million. But yeah, that's uh, you know, that's a look at the box office right now. It basically Transformers, not quite Independence Day Resurrection, but certainly you know not the. Uh, let's, a, uh, not come a, on, why why have jabs at me here? But Abe. I'm not trying to take jabs at your list. You just happen to have a lot of wrong choices. No, <laughs> Alien Resurrection, where I put it. Independence Day Independence Day Resurgence. That was like my number one film last year, and, and then it was like totally bombed. I I, I can't not it use like the example. Top, it was in my top five. We all had it fairly. Bad. A lot of us had it fairly high, but I mean, we I can't not use the examples that are given to me. <laughs> I I understand. I understand. All right. 
so yeah, the, the jury's out. We'll see what happens. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of shakeups as there always is during these things. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I saw the Dark Tower preview on a real theater, and it looked like a pile of garbage. But I don't know. Maybe it went a ton of money, given that these movies haven't. So we'll see. <laughs> I did. I saw it on the actual, like an actual preview of it, and it's like, God, this movie looks worse than it did on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw a poster for it in the theater, and it's like, you know, kind of done without that poster. What was the po- What was the poster, man? It was just like Matthew McConaughey standing there. Yeah, the McConaughey one's not them. good. Like the Idris Elba ones, like because Idris Elba looks cool. The Idris Elba one's cool, but the Matthew McConaughey one is is not as cool. Because it's not like because he's if even if he's chewing on scenery, like that picture is just like okay, it's just Matthew McConaughey like looking at he's like he's in a cologne ad or something. Like what's going on? Yeah, ex- that, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on from there, guys. Let's get to some know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a few questions, try to set the tone for the podcast, and you better get to know no everybody. Over. All right. That's good. Guys, Alan, Jordan, I have a question for you two that we've been doing yes. every week on this podcast. Which is the preferred soundtrack? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 or Volume 2? Volume 1. You better. Sorry, Jordan, what did you say? Split decision. Jordan, you said 2? Ooh. Yeah. All right. But I love 1 still. It's it's a very small uh, gap between 1 and 2. As I frequently say, it is pretty much splitting hairs. Abe and I, while we both, Abe is on side of one, I'm on the side of two. It's not like either of us hate the other one. So. Right. But yes, the continuing tally. That's a fun question. The continuing tally continues to go on. I, I think that it's pretty even right now. The tally. It's pretty even. I, there's yeah. probably one listener we, that's. We, made... didn't, we didn't actually formally write a tally. I'd right? like to think one listener is, is very dedicated to taking the tally and will hopefully very very generously share that tally with us, so we actually have a count, so we don't have to listen to all these episodes it's, ourselves. It's probably Shalem. It's probably Shalem. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe have a... you know, as good yeah. huh? the uh, actual soundtrack is, I wish the score was better. The score has been a bit bland. I feel for the uh, both for both films. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like, I, I get that. I've, mainly because I've just watched Guardians a lot, so I, I know the... Is it Brian Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know the score really well, but yeah, it's certainly not like, man, this is this is the, this is the, this is it right here. Like, this is the Marvel score yeah. to write home about. Damn. Like, it's, yeah. it's fine. And I think it's definitely a, a film that deserves an epic, memorable score, and it just doesn't happen. I mean, it, it could get one, sure, but at the same time... Sure. I mean, it has those soundtracks, which provides... It's got a great soundtrack, you know, yeah. Yeah, that, which really... Yeah. Is, that's true. Yeah, yeah, really puts it over the top. Anyway, well, that's, that's actually what makes it different from the other Marvel movies already. Yeah, you can't just be relying on Winter Soldier to give you Trouble Man every time. So you know, you got to do something else. Abe, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got a question for us? I do have a question for you guys. We've been seeing a lot of red war paint on faces. Thor Ragnarok, Megatron, and even uh, Optimus Prime version 2.0. Uh, Nemesis Nem- Nem- Nemesis Prime. Nemesis Prime. Thank Prime. You. <laughs> What face paint color would you choose if you're going into battle? Purple, because I miss Prince. Oh, that's a that's a good answer. There, now I'm sad. Um, jeez, I have no idea. Uh, orange. Orange. Yeah, I was gonna say like flaming red and orange with some like some blue in there. Really set it out. I just love Halloween, so. I I'd be like I'd be like if I'd I'd say to like the guy like. Put the cowardly lion on my face, and and then that's what I go for. Cowardly lion. Specific, yeah, not just a lion. Specific, just, just, specific, scare them, right? Specifically, yeah. the cowardly lion. Right. Yeah. It, it's just like to mess with somebody. Yeah. It's it's because I like to play psychological party. games when I go into war. Right. <laughs> that's that. That'd be the reason. That's uh, that's a good that's a good offense. Get inside strategy. their head. It's like, is it scary or is it adorable? I don't know, but you're going down. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. 
I don't have another question, but I'm happy. You don't have a question? I'm happy. Right, I'm happy right. with our Guardian discussion. Well, but, you, you we, did ask the uh, the Guardian. Yes, yeah, so and we got a lot of show to go through here, so that, I think that's good. So that's how you play. No, everybody. All right, moving yeah. on. Thank you. That's <laughs> it. It's, it's thank you. It's early, but I, I like I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Speaking of which, <laughs> every time. Speaking of which, let's get down. Uh, to, let's get down to quickies. Yep. Each week, not now, we will move to talk about the season. Yep, that was good. Thank you. Speedy. It was speedy. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? My friend started watching a little bit of Chips at the beginning. Have you and, seen any other uh, movies this week? No, <laughs> no I, I, I watched like 15 seconds of it, maybe maybe 30 seconds of it, and I was like, nope, let's let's go watch something else. It was up until the part where Michael Pena captures the guy and then shows him like a nude picture of his wife uh, and says like, oh, you're going to prison. And I was like, this is not worth my time. So... I stopped that. I, I like how you described a scene that nobody's seen because nobody went and saw it. Nobody went to go see it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great, though. It I'm essentially saying don't go see this movie. I can see why nobody saw it. Did you actually watch anything in full this week? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> All right. Let's move on, then. Alan, have you seen anything recently? I watched It Comes at Night. Yes. Oh, and I can see why 95% of the movie going public might not like that movie. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was cool. It was very tense. Uh, a lot of it was, it was a cinematic experiment in tension, and I think it was successful. And there's a lot going on in it, but I don't think it's at. I think it's poorly marketed, like most A24 films. Um, but no, it was fine. It was good. I enjoyed it. I know it's been really divisive on the interwebs, so. I think the A20, A24 films that have, I guess, gone for, like, really out there with the genre, I think those are just trickier to market. Like, something like Ex Machina, it's like, I think they marketed that exactly what it's supposed to be marketed as. Like, something like The Witch, I can understand. But, like, like yeah, it's called The Witch, and you want to sell, like, all right, this is a big horror movie, and then you, what you get is something that's decidedly different. Right. Despite the fact, that, despite the fact that it still has a witch in the movie. <laughs> yeah. At least. Because you don't uh, really know what, yeah, I don't want to talk about It Comes to Night without spoilers. Fair so. enough, yeah. Never mind. Well, the good news is we also did a uh, an, a, a night's episode about it. Yeah, you can listen. I know. I, I saw that. I, well, I yes, yes, I listened to it. Cool. Yeah. What were you gonna say? I was saying pop quiz. Who directed The Witch? Uh, Dave. Rob Eggers or someone. Eggers. Isn't it Eggers? It's Eggers. It's Eggers. But I think it's like David Eggers. Yeah, David Eggers. That's what I said. Yeah. I cut out. That's what I said. Pop quiz part two. Uh-huh. Who directed Ex Machina? Oh, that's uh. Um, Alex Garland. That's correct. Yeah. He also wrote it. Yeah. Anyway, cool. <laughs> I know my things. <laughs> no, I, I know. I just throw it in the pop quiz every time. To time. <laughs> well, good. I like it. Keep it. Keep it moving. Huh? Yeah. All right, Jordan. Have you seen any other movies this week? I watched the editor's cut of Spider-Man Three. Oh, that's out. Oh. And, yeah. Where'd you get that? It's on the uh, Blu-ray limited edition set. Okay. And it's it's the same, really. They're they're is a new scene with Sandman and his daughter, and there's a, a different order of sequences for a few scenes, and it's not that different. It's not worth it, really. Okay, so um, I shouldn't go out of my way to purchase this then, because I was curious. No, they, they uh, instead of the butler at the end saying how he found the blade... Your father and... died of his own wounds, sir! Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's just Harry looking at the, a photo of the three of them. And that's how his he decides to go help Peter. So that's a, a bit better. It's I, I still like the movie. I, I'm I feel like one of the few people who defend it. 
So it's still enjoyable, in my opinion. It's just not worth all the hype. Hmm. I mean, I don't think there's much hype about these. I don't think anyone's well, being like... Actually, uh, take out a few scenes from the theatrical cut as well. Well, that's my curiosity. Does it feel like... Does it flow better? Because even though... like, I I'm agree, I agree with you, actually. I am a, I am a supporter of Spider-Man 3. I wouldn't say it's the best, but at the same time, I don't... I think it does a lot really well that gets... And the bad things get overblown. But, but yeah, it certainly is but, long uh, and has some awkwardness in it. Yeah, it, the, that awkwardness is still there. Uh, taking out the scenes did not help. Okay. Uh, and adding scenes didn't really help either. Yeah, it, it still has the same issues that, that the theatrical cut had. So those looking for a drastically different Spider-Man 3 are going to be disappointed. Is it called Spider-Man 3.1 or whatever? Is that what they... It is, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there's a Spider-Man 2.1 that they released when yeah. or before Spider-Man 3 came out, which also... Mm -hmm. It in that, that cut like that adds more scenes. Um, it does, yeah. And that one, but once again, the two point one, it's really that not that much. It's not much better. If anything, I it's not one that I prefer to watch. Better for just two. I think right. two's two's tight. Like two two works. <laughs> Doc Ock, ruining everyone's copy day. Like it has a couple character beats that it plays, but at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't need this to really enhance the experience of a great one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was so much hype when Spider-Man 3 came out, how they had to reshoot uh, a big chunk of the film, how there was like over an hour of footage left on the cutting room floor. And to just have a cut with just a lot, 10 minutes of new footage is sort of a slap in the face. Well, because they had to figure out all that Venom stuff. Like that was the issue. Like they, yeah. they got all that in. And I imagine test screenings were all over the place with that movie. So, and, yeah. Right. But, yeah. All right. So we'll wait another ten years for maybe another cut, or yeah, around the time when they have <laughs> the I'll... when the when the seventeenth Spider-Man makes his debut, we'll we'll see where that things are at that point. <laughs> All right, uh, I've seen a couple things this week that I want to get into. One was the well, first up, I saw that I mentioned this last week, but it came out this week. The Big Six in theaters now. Go see it if you can. It's great. It'll expand throughout the month. Speaking of movies that came out this week that will be expanding over the month, I saw The Beguiled. This is the new uh, Sophia Ooh. Sophia Coppola film. That's not a remake of there's a there's a Clint Eastwood film from the seven from seventy Did you seventy one. That? I've seen that one. It's, it's it's not it's it's fine. Um, it was, yeah, I, yeah. Like uh, it's this this new film is based off the the same book that that Clint Eastwood film was based off of. Um, it stars Colin Farrell. It's set during the Civil War. He's a Union soldier who's found wounded by a young girl in the woods outside of the all girls boarding school that they're staying in. Uh, that girl is Una Lawrence from Southpaw. Um, it has a number of other people in there. It has um, Andrew Rice, the young girl from The Nice Guys, who is uh, really good in that film. Um, and then you have, obviously, the more uh, older actresses. You have Elle Fanning as one of the students. You have Kirsten Dunst as the teacher. And you have uh, Nicole Kidman as the headmistress of the uh, of the whole school. And basically, Colin Farrell gets there. Uh, these women have not been around a man in a while, short of the random soldiers that come there to kind of raid them for food and what have you. Um, and so it sets off a chain of events um, lead to various amounts of jealousy and what have you before kind of uniting against Colin Farrell. Uh, the movie, <laughs> the movie is is quite good. Uh, At the end, does he turn into a lobster? <laughs> he wishes. Um, the movie, it's quite good. It's really well made. Like it's a, it's shot on thirty five. It, it like the uh, cine, cinematography is pretty spectacular as far as like shooting the South and getting a lot of scenes at, like, dusk and what have you, and getting this this old house that they filmed in. Like, there's a lot of great camera work going on here. Uh, the acting's really strong. Uh, Kidman, Dunst, and Farrell in particular are really good in this movie, and it's really their movie, so it makes sense. And it 
it's probably the most conventional of all of Sofia Coppola's films. Like it plays, it's like 90 minutes. All the, all of her films are, not her films are really long, um, but like it, it plays out like a, like a thriller, like a genre thriller basically would. It, it, there's nuances here or there and there's themes and things that are being tackled, but it, you know, put, it's pretty straightforward, uh, but I enjoyed it. It's quite good. It's well acted. I you know, recommend it. Cool. The other thing I saw, uh, Anna and I saw this last night, it was Beatrice at Dinner. Um, this is the, Film starring Salma Hayek and John Lithgow, along along with oh, I've heard of this a few, one, yeah. a few other, uh, including what's uh, Coach Taylor's wife, uh, Connie Britton. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's directed by <laughs> M- Miguel Arturetta, who directed uh, Cedar Rapids and Youth and Revolt and The Good Girl, um, and written by Mike White, um, who they've collaborated a number of times. Um, stars Selma Hayek as a as a uh, massage therapist uh, who's been working for uh, Connie Britton's family for a number of years. She's like a friend of the family. Her car breaks down while she's at their house, and they're having a big dinner that night, so they invite her to stay. Uh, John Lithgow arrives, and he is a he's a very wealthy man who's done a lot of things that are not good to maintain that wealth. And the film the film is basically a very awkward uh, dinner <laughs> uh, movie uh, concerning Selma Hayek's her. Um, basically reaction to being around this person who she feels is basically a very negative per influence on life itself. It's okay. I, I think the performances are strong and, uh, but Anna and I were talking about this. I think it probably, it, we both agreed it would work better kind of as a stage play. I think the way it's kind of written really lends itself to a, a more theatrical presentation. Um, this was written for the screen. It's not based off a, a play or what have you, but um, I, that's kind of, it's, it's a rare one where I think it feels Less like cinema was the best way to go with this. That said, it's still it's well acted. I think it hits some strong points or what have you. Um, I think sure. it's also a good conversation starter. I know uh, Professor Mike Dillon, who was on with us for the It Comes at Night podcast, uh, the Nights episode. Um, I, <laughs> I I knew he also wanted to talk about this film if I had seen it at that time, but because uh, I do think there's a lot of things to talk about as far as what it's trying to do. Um, but yeah, so it's certainly one that you know it's worth discussion. Uh, not my favorite of the year, but certainly you know worth note. It's a notable release. So. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, that's on now, Quickies. Yep. Let's move on now, guys. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, what have you. And uh, this week, this one came out a couple of weeks ago, but we're finally getting to it, because why not? Uh, it is Logan Lucky. This is the return to cinema for um, Steven Soderbergh, um, who, who claimed to be retired and spent two years working at Cinemax on the show The Nick, starring Clive Owen, and now is like, you know what? I have my idea for a movie I want to make. Let's do it. And this one features... Uh, Adam Driver and Channing Tatum as a couple of brothers who recruit a large crew of people to help pull off a, a heist during a NASCAR race in Allen's state of North Carolina. The, the film's the anticipation for this is palpable in the, the <laughs> stick of the woods. The, the, the film also stars Riley Keough, Catherine Waterston, Sebastian Stan, and introducing Daniel Craig. Uh, what's his name in this I've movie? Heard of him. Uh, Joe Bang. That's his name in the movie. As Joe Bang, uh, bleach blonde demolitions expert, I believe. Uh, let's throw Jordan. What do you think of the trailer for Logan Lucky? So a few weeks ago, I was watching Masterminds, and I stopped watching it halfway through because I just it wasn't for me. And this trailer looks like the movie I wanted with Masterminds. Uh, it look, looks great. Uh, I love. The way he says incarcerated, I, I want that as my ringtone, just over and over again. I mean, there's really not much I have to say about the, the movie. Just I, I can't wait for it. It looks like it could be one of the best of the year. How about you, Al? It looks really fun and pretty quirky, uh, which is kind of what I like in a Steven Soderbergh thing. I think it's like a southern out of sight. It's kind of the vibe I'm getting from it. Mm. 
so I think it'll be really fun to see. I like that it's based on a true story. Um, like it has a lot of uh, like Channing Tatum and then Daniel Craig are just going to be a lot of big personalities that I think will flourish in that type of cinematic environment. So I'm really excited to kind of watch it. Um, I think it'll be fun. I'll use the word quirky, and yeah, I, I was going to use that as well, as well as weird, and it definitely looks very fun. And when it first came on the screen, I I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, it says the, from the director of Ocean's 11, 12, 13, and Magic Man. I was like, isn't that Steven Soderbergh? Didn't he retire? And sure enough, here he is. I'm happy about that. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see it. It looks very funny. And I'm always a big fan of when big-time actors such as Daniel Craig, who have been James Bond, he's well, or he's like world wide famous kind of thing. They take on these like really small, weird roles. Um, and I always like that they are able to kind of go down that pathway and just uh, be in these like small, quote unquote, smaller films, even though this is this looks like it's going to be a pretty big release. So I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait to see how it goes. The only thing I'd say is I didn't notice any sort of sepia uh, film tint that or any green tint. Uh, I guess that's more of like a, a David Fincher thing. But yeah, sepia. So anyway, it depends on the mood that Soderbergh's in because he likes to have all kinds of fun with his cameras when he can. Yeah, I I agree with you guys. I'm very excited for this film. I'm a huge Steven Soderbergh fan. I am very happy that he's made another actual movie. Although I did watch the first season of The Nick, which I quite liked. I never got around to season two, but it's because who has Cinemax? Nobody. Nobody has Cinemax. But yet, yet there are shows <laughs> that have like five seasons on there. I don't understand it. Uh, no, but um, no, I, I'm excited for this film. Looking at the, I mentioned some of the cast, but there are like 15 names listed on IMDb. I know every single one of these people, and they, every single one of them seems like, yeah, that would make sense. Let's put them in here. Uh, this it looks like a ton of fun. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a fan of the Ocean's trilogy in general. The idea of Hollywood doing another heist movie that excites me. That's fun. Um, seeing these people involved in it, it's, it sounds like a lot of fun too. Like there's. Soderbergh is a director that has done a lot of different genres. Um, rewatching some of his films is just like, why is this guy not making more? Because there's like there's so much <laughs> so much versatility in his style and everything that I just I love seeing on screen. So yeah, I'm very excited about Logan Lucky. Um, it arrives in theaters August 18th this summer. So pretty soon. Be ready for that? Okay, guys. <laughs> I think we've we've danced around this long enough. I think it's time now to get to our main review for Transformers: The Last Night. It started as a legend, one of the greatest of all. A thousand years we've kept it hidden to protect Earth from what was destined to arrive. Optimus Prime, you destroyed your home. Do you seek redemption? My maker, I do. daughter what would you say to her brush your teeth work hard stay away from any boy in a band especially a drummer okay that should have been some of the trailer for transformers colon the last night michael bay is back for his fifth transformers film with the last night while he claimed (laughs) while he's claimed this before this is supposedly bay's last time making a transformers movie but also the start like steven but also the also the start of a cinematic universe We'll see if the to- if the box office totals lead to more, but we do know that a Bumblebee spinoff is coming next year, directed by Travis Knight of Kubo and the Two Strings, and right. there, are, I'm not kidding, there are over ten other Transformer movie ideas currently in development, thanks to a team of writers that feature Akiva Goldsman mm. and the Robert Kirkman, among others. What? 
That's there's ten. There there are there are at least ten ideas at the bit. There are some ones that are further into fruition than others, but there are at least ten ideas for further movies in this cinematic universe they're proposing. Regardless, did they not any of those ideas in this movie? Regardless, focusing on this film, Mark Wahlberg is back. Transformers are now illegal, and Optimus Prime is off in space finding his creator. Lots of Anthony Hopkins exposition explains that Transformers has been around since King Arthur times. Although, this shouldn't be a surprise, since we saw in The Revenge of the Fallen that Transformers have been around since the Ancient Pyramids, <laughs> and since in Age of Extinction, Transformers have been around since the Dinosaurs. So I'm not sure why King Arthur's is suddenly a surprise, but here we are, and that's just some of the nonsense that ensues in Transformers colon The Last Night. I had a lot of ideas, guys, of how we should tackle this review, which again, will be full spoilers. And I thought maybe we could do like a round robin where we each try to describe the entire plot. But then I realized about 15 minutes into watching this movie that that would be impossible because there's so much <laughs> going on. There's so many, like, different storylines happening. There's so many interweaving of characters that I have no idea how to, like, actually keep I, track of all I also want to add that at a certain point, I kind of just gave up on the entire plot, too. So if you even asked me what the plot was, I would be upset to try and even try and recall it. I could tell you the plot. It's just how we how you would actually go about describing this movie is be, it's just beyond me. Like, <laughs> how to decipher this? It's not a wonder that there are six editors, at least, involved and in, that are credited in this movie. So, well, let's do, let's do general thoughts in the yeah. Let's let's do it. So, Jordan, what are your general thoughts on Transformers: The Last Night? Okay, so when I was little, my <laughs> grandpa saw Batman Forever, and he he hated it. He said, "I don't understand this movie." Uh, he said, "It's it's too complicated. There's too much going on." He was like, where's the wonder? Like, where's the zeal? Like, it's missing. And that's exactly how I felt watching this movie. I was like, oh, my God. Like, now I know what he felt like. And when Michael Bay, when he was promoting 13 Hours, someone asked him about the Transformers movie. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working on the next one. What is it? Part four or part five? Who cares? And it's that sort of indifference, uh, which is so clear in every frame of this film um it has it's it's so unbelievably like insane but not in a good way that there are some fun ideas like the opening with merlin like being drunk having that staff and if you were to tell someone about that i feel like they would appreciate that and it would make them want to see it but in execution it's terrible Everything about this movie, it's one of the worst cinematic experiences I've ever had. And I've I've been a fan of the Transformers movies on some level. I've I've enjoyed them. Uh, there's always something to highlight. Uh, like for I, I rewatched all the Transformers, like my favorite 20 minutes. And with this movie, like I, I'm never gonna watch any scene in it ever again. Uh, and which is it, it blows my mind that uh, the second Transformers movie makes more sense than this movie because they were on that tight schedule because of the writer strike and they were just throwing things together and that movie makes more sense uh, than this film uh, and to have six editors I, I understand it but at the same time it's depressing that six people cannot make heads or tails of this film like what the hell's going on and the best part of the film the best character is uh is cogman 
this sociopath butler. I uh, and he, I disagree, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not in the movie enough. Like he has, but whenever he's on screen, I felt the movie. <laughs> he thought he thought people should be asking, "Where's Cogman?" <laughs> I mean, yeah. Every time he disappears, like, geez, can we get that robot back? Uh, foot robot back on the screen. Uh, yeah, you yeah. can't tell what's going on. It's it, it is just Michael Bay going through. Emotions. It's uh, yeah, one of the worst, worst films I've ever seen in a movie theater. Okay, so let's go to Alan. Where where are you with this movie? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> like it, it. Okay, on paper as a movie, it is just garbage. It's just garbage. It's horseshit. It's not a good movie. <laughs> it's the worst. But like, if you start thinking about it, it is Michael Bay just. How can I put it? It's a magician who doesn't care anymore. He's like, here, I cut her in half. You happy? Here, I did this. You happy? It's a dude that's like, hey, I want to make a medieval period piece. Look how cool this will be. Hey, I want to make this movie about you know English uh, aristocracy. Check this out. Hey, I want to do a movie about people in a junkyard. Hey, I want to do anything but a Transformers movie. Can you stop? It's the equivalent of, if you guys have seen Waterworld, it's the equivalent of the guy at the bottom of the tank and when the match comes down to light the whole thing on fire, and he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> he's basically just like, I don't care. It's the equivalent of a big-budget movie that's an improv sketch. So it's like, yes, and? Yes, and? Yes, and? They just keep building on. Like, oh, what if the Transformers like dealt with King Arthur? Perfect. What if Bumblebee helped kill Hitler? Let's go with it. It is so batshit crazy. That I just don't understand. I didn't understand any of it. I was exhausted. I think I had a concussion. But <laughs> <laughs> like I, uh, I remember the joke that I made is that like part three was written with crayon, because, but it had fun and it was exuberant and it had that wonderment. This one's just, I just feel like it was written on a glass table and you can still see remnants of coke in the script when they turned it in. It doesn't. <laughs> it just, it's so out there. The fact that you make Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins call Mark Wahlberg dude in like the middle of the third act I just it's what are you guys doing I don't understand how he gets these high ca- I, I get it because they want a paycheck but he'll get Stanley Tucci doing wonderful work in this movie and part four he will like he played two different characters in the series what does Michael Bay do to these actors that makes them want to come back how cool or fun or how much coke is on that set where they're like yeah I'll go back and play I'll go back and play drunk Merlin why not this will be great it is so nuts. It's almost the equivalent of a movie. It's it's like you mix in Mountain Dew, Code Red, Spencer's Gifts, and the Lincoln Park <laughs> like cover band, and they turn it into a movie, and you get Transformers <laughs> last night. It's that shit. The, the Lincoln Park cover band I, would be spelled L I N C O L N Park. Yeah, yeah, they're all wearing chain wallets with Velcro, but they have Lincoln top hats. It's really just a mismatch of everything. Do they have beards? I mean, some of them some do. Will, yeah. Maybe some have a mustache. Yeah. I don't know. They can be, but it's just it's it's just, it's like King Arthur. I saw this summer and I had fun, and that was batshit. This one, I hope I don't need ten more of these things. I, this is fine. This ended here. We're fine. The fact that. The last night is Optimus Prime, I guess, but he's well, only the, la- in it for no, the, la- the last night is Mark Wahlberg. We clearly, yeah, we, oh, we right. clearly established this. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry, but here, like Mark Wahlberg is great. I had a question to everybody. Like, I, I don't know if 
would you watch? I like I'd watch Shia LaBeouf now in a in a movie with Mark Wahlberg doing the Transformers gimmick. But I Mark Wahlberg I think was the saving grace in this film because he just is like I don't know what's happening. I'm just gonna go with this. I like how we have, and we have Anthony Hopkins. We have different thoughts on who's the saving grace in this movie right now. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just it's just I don't. None of it seemed genuine, but I don't think. I just think Michael Bay is like, here, give me my money. Let me go make another movie that I want to do. If this movie gets us like another pain and gain, I'm for it. But I could, hmm, you could almost tell he gave up. He gave up. He doesn't care. And he's too good of an action director to be wasting his time with this. But I think he's purposely just making shit so they can stop making it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's. I, I actually didn't like Mark Wahlberg in this movie. Uh, Let's go, really? we'll, we'll get back to this. Let me get to A. Okay, well, uh, oh, basically, it's not a good movie. I don't recommend it to anybody, but if you get to see Steve Buscemi and John Goodman doing voiceover work with each other for 10 <laughs> seconds, <laughs> it's worth it, I guess. It's just, I, it's it's crazy. I don't, I have so many, I, wanna, I just want to see a documentary about behind the scenes of every one of these movies. That's it. Oh, absolutely. Well, good, That's all I want to see. Those Blu-rays are packed, um, so I mean, you can. <laughs> no, I mean, like, a, the real behind like the scenes. warts and all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, um, Abe, let's yeah. get to Abe. Abe, what'd you think of this movie? Get this movie the fuck out of my face. <laughs> Just, like, everything Alan said is accurate. I agree with him, especially when he said that like, it's Mountain Dew Co-Red mixed with, like, fucking vodka and orange juice and uh, cocaine, cocaine and cocaine, yeah. everything else that you can imagine. That's what this movie is. This movie is everything on the screen. I mean, nobody's incorrect in, in saying that. It's everything on the screen. I don't know what the... I get the general plot description but the way they they execute it is so frenetic for no real reason i think i i was actually kind of into the first maybe 30 seconds of it when they're fighting in the battlefield and then they cut to just alan or uh, stanley tucci just being a drunkard i was like oh i guess that they're going for this kind of movie this kind of film where it's gonna go loopy on you well, I mean, there are um, there I, are four I, Transformers movies that support that evidence. I mean, yes. I, I yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. But I thought that Michael Bay was trying to do something cool in the beginning, and then it, it immediately cuts to this funny scene, quote unquote funny scene, where Alan or Stanley Tucci is kind of just uh want meandering. But yeah, this movie is just on crack, and I mean that literally and figuratively. This movie is insane, just the way that it's being cut and the way that it's being delivered to you as as an audience. Also. I had real problems with Anthony Hopkins in this movie, not because of the character or whatever else, but he was upset at Chris Hemsworth for, like, not being a good actor in Thor, and here he is acting with all these, like, nobodies, maybe minus Mark Wahlberg, and he's he's really giving it his all, and I was like, what happened to you, Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins? Like, I, I don't understand why you're so mad at Chris Hemsworth, who has gone on to do better things and is probably a better actor than some of these people here. And to answer the question of like who I thought was like one of the best characters in this movie, Gerard Carmichael, who is not in this movie enough. I I want to see more of him, even though his character makes no sense at all. It's like what Jordan said. Let's go see this movie about a junkyard and how they hide from police or whatever else. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is great in it too. They, those two are like tied for our number ones. But when this movie makes let when this world makes less sense than Cars Three, which we talked about last week, that's a problem. And I just had no explanation for the nonchalantness of the way that the, the world worked and how if Transformers have been around for, for generations, thousands of years, uh, people are just like still kind of freaked out. They're not really sure what to do with them. And one scene in particular I just laughed at a lot uh, was when 
it's early on. These kids are running over from from some sort of spy drone plane. The guy on the horn says, "Oh, that transformer has kids around them. Let's shoot it." And he orders a missile strike. And it's like, what? <laughs> you were trying to save these kids, but you're ordering a missile strike on these these children that are being quote unquote threatened by this transformer. It made no sense at all. So this movie has too many characters, too many plot points. It is off the wall and. Uh, I cannot recommend it to anybody. Even though, sure, some scenes might be fun and cool, it just still doesn't make any sense at all. They they take no law of physics or gravity into place, and we'll get into it. But I I just there's so much to bag on this movie about. I wanna I wanna set Abe's mind at ease at first because I was very curious about this Anthony Hopkins not liking Chris Hemsworth, and then I searched that and found ten articles saying update Anthony Hopkins did not bash co-star Chris Hemsworth, so that's not true. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, that, he's talking that shit of, on Renee Russo. eases my mind a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad that he didn't bash him, but maybe Chris Phil's still wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one point. I think Anthony Hopkins is great in this movie. He he's he's my he's the person I would champion the most. Um, I and I was actually disappointed in Gerard Carmichael, not because of him, but just because the movie doesn't give him much that made me laugh. Like I was like, why is why is he not funny? Like I was looking forward to that part because like at least like he could be here and just ironically make jokes about how ridiculous this movie is. And I was he could have been Jake Johnson in Jurassic World You're or right. even TJ yeah. Miller in the in the last Transformers right. movie who I thought but I mean they killed him really early on that film was like well at least he's making me laugh here is like this seems like the same kind of territory and I was like why is Gerard Carmichael a very funny comedian not making me laugh right now it was a shame but that's a lot of the movie it just did not entertain me I will say I am a fan of this Transformers series even in its weakest moments Revenge of the Fallen I do think there are things, like Jordan, you pointed out, that are to praise. Revenge of the Fallen, for example, has maybe the series' best fight scene, where Optimus Prime is in the forest versus, like, uh, Megatron and Starscream and one other one, and, like, and it's, just, it's like shot with IMAX cameras, and it looks spectacular. Like, it, like that was a highlight of the, of the cinematic series of Transformers. This movie doesn't have that element, which is my main disappointment in it. We can go all day into things about lapses of logic and story plot holes and what have you, because that, but that's nothing new for me with Transformers movies. It's not. It's it's something I'm happy to accept if it means I'm going to get at least memorable moments that have robots bashing each other or some other clever idea that Michael Bay and his team of writers and visual effects people were able to put together as far as kind of pleasing a, a crowd that wants to see this kind of thing happen. But my main issue is I think this movie is a disappointment to those people that have are in my sort of camp where it's less about how you know what the movie's trying to do from a plot perspective and just how it's trying to do it. This movie doesn't really know how it's trying to do it anymore, which is a shame. Alan, I think you're right. I, I've been happy to can you know to go along with Michael Bay um, and supporting basically his choices where he goes off and does his own movie for Paramount after being given you know. You know, give it, you know, doing a Transformers movie for him, then going to do Pain and Gain or Thirteen Hours movies that he was, you know, happy to do or that he wanted to do. But at least in these Transformers movies, it's always seemed like his efforts been there. Uh, you know, I, I've watched, I've watched all the special features on these the, these things and Age of Extinction in particular. There are some amazing like shots that he's putting together practically and just like kind of the demand he has from his crew and everything is admirable. I think there's so much there as far as what kind of effort he puts in here. I don't think he's not putting in the effort here, but I certainly, as I said, I agree with Alan, I think he just doesn't care nearly as much, and it shows this time around. And I think a part of that is a similar issue that The Mummy had, where there's this effort to kind of conform and and transform this movie to something that fits for an entire universe now and not just being its own thing. 
I can say what I will about the other Transformers movies, but at least they all feel standalone. This feels like it's trying to set up, like, uh, you know, the rest of the universe, in addition to being more of the nonsense that's gone on in these movies. And so with that, you get a movie that just feels indecipherable from anything. It doesn't feel special in any way. It doesn't have these memorable things. We could talk about the whole Optimus goes bad part, but that doesn't take up much of the movie. You get like a, like you get a bit of Optimus at the beginning, then he's gone for a majority of the movie, which makes it's the worst possible choice because Optimus Prime is the only interesting Transformer. <laughs> he has a character and a personality, even if that personality means being a horrible asshole by killing other robots very viciously. <laughs> like at least he's he's standing for something. Um, but you take him away from almost all of the movie, then bring him back for a fight that ends on the most inexplicably way possible. We'll get into that later. It just it just saps this movie of all its energy. And what you're left with is a lot of the human stuff, and that human stuff's not good, guys. Mark Wahlberg, he's putting his effort in, but he's not good here. <laughs> like the 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 library, the uh, the professor they have with him is not good. The the one good human character I think was uh, Isabella Moner, I, the the girl, like the young girl. The, 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 the yeah, the kid. She had more chemistry with Wahlberg than anybody. Like she was working here, and as I said, Anthony Hopkins, I think. For whatever reason, he's putting like I thought when they cast him, he was just gonna be like a couple scenes delivering exposition. As exposition, he's in all of this movie. <laughs> like he's like here to go, and like as silly as that is, I at least admire that he put his effort in. And I can see why, like he because he came out and said like Michael Bay was like one of the best directors I've ever worked with. I get that just because of the freedom he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Like he probably had a ton of fun making this movie. Like it's that's interesting to me that he he would go that route. But yeah, the rest of this movie. There's so much, it's so much movie. Like, the last one's two hours and 45 minutes, this one's 15 minutes shorter, and it still feels like five hours longer than that one. It just keeps going. And it's largely because it just doesn't feel special anymore. Like, Jordan, you said, again, like, there's that sense of wonder that you got from the first one, where it's like, regardless of how dumb that movie might have been, I think uh, there's a lot more admiration for that first film, for both being, you know, the best of these, mm-hmm. but also being something new. Like, you hadn't seen a movie about transforming robots since 1986's Transformers the movie, which was animated. This is a live-action Transformers movie. That's something for the first time. The sequels, they have not delivered on the same degree, but they've certainly given you something to kind of root for as far as a big action sequence or just something that's so bizarre that, you know, it's memorable. This one just doesn't feel that way. This one doesn't have, like, huge robot battles that you could remember. Like, in the same way the previous ones do. It doesn't have, like, a memorable, like, Optimus Prime beats a Dinobot up so he can ride him later on. <laughs> it tries that by having Optimus Prime versus Bumblebee, but again, that comes in two hours and 15 minutes into the movie and is not really well done. There's just, there's not yeah, a lot it, of practicality. Well, it just feels, it feels too fake for the, like, the effects, they look great. Of course they do. You spend that much money on a movie, it's not going to look bad. It's probably not five movies in. They know how to do this at this point. But it just doesn't have that lingering effect of, wow, I saw Transformers come to life again. It just doesn't feel anything anymore. So I thought it sucked, guys. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's dive and, into and it here. The, uh, the music, the score for the last uh, Transformers Steve Jablonski's score. They've been, yeah. been really good for the most part. And Steve Jablonski has uh, delivered a a theme for each film and this there's no theme for it the, the it's it, once again even the music is lazy it's just going through the motions. Yeah, they didn't have a like they had lincoln lincoln park the the, the real lincoln park um, to the first three films and then imagine dragons came along but at least the scores were kind of written to the songs that they they wrote like they wrote this one doesn't have anything like that you're right guys this is a lot of movies and they, there's a lot of movie here they, <laughs> and i i feel like they just didn't <laughs> Did they not see their last films? Because the whole climax, the uh, the planet coming in, like once again, it's a rehash of Dark of the Moon, and 
it seems like every film there's a different device which is bringing all the Transformers uh, to Earth, and that's this is the reason why they're here this time. It's for this device, like all the Transformers and Cybertron. Like it seems like, Cy- yeah. like I thought Cybertron was blown up at some point, but apparently it's still there and still able to go to Earth in some way. <laughs> like, well, apparently it's, then, it's just been the, like hanging the, on threads. Yeah. yeah, and even the last line of the movie with uh, Optimus Prime going like Autobots, like if you're out there now is the time to come to Earth. And I feel like he said that every film. Like, wait, every time is the time. Well, to I want to. I want to break. Like I want to break this down because I'm really trying to. And, Excuse me for trying to understand Transformers history with our planet, but I'm very curious <laughs> because the first Transformers film, they all seem to arrive for the very first time on Earth, right? Didn't, like, yeah. didn't that seem like seemed that like way. they all just came from space yes. and they're, they had like the proto form before they were anything? They're just kind of robots. And now this yeah. this movie, Bumblebee's a war hero. Like, what what's happened <laughs> like, in yeah. all of this? I mean, I, Al, Alan brought up the example of like Hitler and and World War Two, and I was I was hoping they weren't going to cut to something that they shot, and they did. And I was like, why do you even need this scene in here? Again, it's cool that, I guess, uh, Transformers have been around for, like, thousands of years, but it still doesn't make any sense to Aaron's point. Like, you showed us in the first movie that they were beings from another planet. This this never existed before. And now all of a sudden, like, the Earth is the the counter to, to Cybertron. Well, yeah, every movie, every movie the Transformers have been involved all of the way through human history. <laughs> like that's that's what we've learned in the past ten years of Transformers movies. Fighting on quote unquote the right side of history. Now, let me ask you guys a question here. Um, how many plots can you let's break it down. How many plots are there in this movie? Well there's Wahlberg, there's Isabella, Too many. there's Elizabella, there's Optimus Prime, there's Sign, uh, Professor Lady Professor Lady, there's Professor Anthony, Lady. Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, there's Megat there's Megatron um, Gerard Carmichael. Well, he's not a plot. That's, That's not a plot. Well, I know. But, they, but Josh Duhamel's back. Uh, Does Josh yeah. Duhamel smoking 20 packs of cigarettes a day? And not Tyrese. I thought John, Tyrese was supposed to be here, but he's... I thought he was going to be in there, too. Uh, would John you guys Turturro. Know, like, John, John Turturro. Or? John Turturro. Oh, he's space, John Turturro. Like, well, then you have... Well, the, British the, space? the space is Optimus That's Prime. Not. That's the space plot. Tony Hale. Tony Hale's, yeah, Tony Hale's plot, yep. That's what I'm talking about. The space, NASA, and, and J.P. Oh, okay. So, so, there's, so there's, I have ten on my fingers like, right now. That's nine. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's nine or ten. That's Stanley crazy. Tucci. It's not a pl- Come on. Okay. We, we made, Abe's, it's, made it's the, Abe's made the point. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a ton of plots. There's a there's ton of plot here, and they cut back to each one of them. And at one point, I even forgot about some of them. Aaron, you pointed out that we basically leave the, the girl for like a, an extended period of time. Um, after she and Mark Warburg, yeah, they do actually do have some sort of like uh, father daughter on screen chemistry, and then she's just gone for like forty minutes until she shows up, and she's terrible. I actually didn't like her at all. I thought that she was uh, she's uh, really causing a lot of problems that didn't need to be caused, especially in that town where you know she's standing out there, and all of a sudden like Mac from Mac and Me shows up and decides to <laughs> like uh, try and blow things up, and then. She's just there causing problems. She seemed to be more of a distraction than anything else in the movie. I just think Michael Bay cast children to remind everyone not to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> possibly. See, I, possibly. I, I enjoyed what she was I, like in a better movie. I thought it'd be them two together, which would make sense to me. Like, you know, get, bring it back to the kind of the Spielbergian vibe of the first film where you have this sure. kind of a buoyant or in this case, girl and a robot. And she has like a BB-8 knockoff, but at least it's something to go on. Like it, it there, there's an idea there instead of 
let's just fly Mark Wahlberg to London and like throw a, ro- a love interest at him and make him the chosen one. How many times have we seen that story play out? Like, I, I was enjoying the 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 early on stuff you had a pile of mark Wahlberg, gerard carmichael and the little kid it's like that's that's at least like a simple movie i can get behind you have that going on and optimus prime on the other side and there's like bad government people that's three that's three plots that's one movie that's easy but this movie's not that this movie's like throw throw all that out it's like the movie forgot it's like yeah this kid stuff's whatever let's let's ship Wahlberg off to london and somehow be uh, bumblebee got on that plane with them i have no idea how and they, they I don't know. They either. all, they it all seemed like it was really tight. Seems fit. like it was a tight fit, but somehow Bumblebee was on there, and they all got to. Well, wasn't he this? Couldn't he have just been like the plane? Well, they had a. I mean, they had a plane. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't understand. Well, my thing is that by the time he gets to London, I'm like, oh, this movie must almost be over. I looked at my watch. It was like an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was. No. I was actually afraid to look at my watch. I was that afraid of like, oh my gosh, there's only been 40 minutes. I still have like two hours left. Well, I was like, nope. I got up, went, refilled myself, and went back into the theater. I was like, I can't do this right now. I need a minute. I did it twice. I was like, I need a minute. I'll say this. I like the King Arthur stuff. Like, I was all about that. That was like, okay, we're doing this. We'll see how it goes. And they have, like, a trans- 12 Transformers turn into one three-headed dragon. That's fun. I haven't seen that before. Like, that's a neat... Like okay, we're gonna explore. Oh, I was for a dragon. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna explain how dragons work. Sure, they're transformers. That's actually fun. That's an idea, and I liked it. I mean, it's the Tooch. I like Toochie. He's playing Merlin. Sure, why not? It, I I was disappointed because I'm like, well, if he's here, that means he's probably not gonna be in the rest of the movie. But then they gave me Anthony Hopkins playing it like really wild. Even if he's you know describing reels of exposition involving the history of transformers, that and the history of like the Whitwicky family, the the, the, the Whitakins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, that that was like a strange uh, part of it too. Because I, what do you guys feel about the uh, the photo of Shia LaBeouf? Was that kind of just a funny thing, or was that Michael Bay saying, "Hey, Shia, fuck you"? I think everything that Michael Bay does is, "Hey, everyone, fuck you." Well, I, I like that they've essentially they've so they've killed his character, right? Like, because he's no longer alive. Is he dead? Well, if Anthony, Hop- well, I mean, they say, like it's the last survivor. Anthony Hopkins is the last Wit- Wiccan, so oh wow, so he's okay. he's so apparently Shia LaBeouf and Kevin Dunn and Julie White, his parents died at some point in Transformers. <laughs> that's how, that's wow. that's how we're supposed to take that's, that. That's dark. I mean, that's what. But wait, if it's Wit Wiccan and Wit Wiki, those are two different surnames. So is that really the same? Well, thing, I mean, or... they showed us a picture of Sam Wit Wiki within the Wit Wiccans. So I mean, I guess it's well, some kind of branching uh, branching family uh, tree. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, maybe like it doesn't count if they're American. <laughs> It could be that that's a very real possibility, because uh, I'm pretty sure the queen has extended uh, relatives here, which she's just like, man, fuck I'd love guys. to hear the queen's <laughs> thoughts on the Transformers. I'd love to know like, her <laughs> thoughts on this. I'd actually ask you guys about this world here, because um, so you have this like, I guess, Chicago and you have these kids running around through like this really closed off cordon part. And yet later in the movie, there's a part where Mark Warburg says, my daughter's at college. And I was like, what? Well, also, so, all of London is completely fine. It's very, it's a very, it's yeah. a very limited Transformers apocalypse in this movie. <laughs> like, right. all... and it's not even like an apocalypse. It's just more of like it seems like they're everyone's living together fine now because you get shots of people living in Cuba with with robots that just want to go play soccer. It was a District Nine situation. I just think over Michael there. Bay hates Chicago and didn't want to like. Well, he's still, he's leveled it three times now. So yeah, he hates Chicago. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. Well, like, and he probably hates the MLB team that plays there. Either the Sox, or the Cubs. It's like no. No, Chicago's never going to come back. It's really, it is kind of, it's like, because I guess you, yeah, you get the kids that are kind of like hanging out on the outside of the fence and they sneak in, but this little girl's like in there's like, 
she it's like she, she lives there. it's like she can leave like it's not like she yeah, she's it's not as though she's gonna get she, she's crying about her her dead family it's like you you don't have to live in dead chicago there's there's you know all of the world apparently outside of this that seems to be just fine so. Right. Yeah. And so it, it just made no sense to me that you would say, well, you know, this is what the Transformers did. They did, they created all this chaos. And so we had to, like, blow up Chicago and now nobody can go there. Well, I mean, but at the, at the same else... time, if, a, if an entire U.S. city like Chicago was occupied by Transformers, you'd probably have a little drastic reaction to that as well. <laughs> no, I, I get that, too. But there's it would be kind of neat if you did see like a District 9 kind of, kind of thing where it's like only the Autobots and Decepticons or Transformers can only live in like this part of the United States or this part of the world well, and let's coordinate it that's, off. That's, but that's not how well, it works out. Everyone seems to be living pretty much in harmony. That's, that's why I'm in full support of the John Turturro at Cuba my Transformers movie. That's That spin off I'm all about. I'll see that right away. That's been a, Yeah, <laughs> I'd actually like to see that because that guy looked like a cool guy to hang out with. The one playing basketball? Not John Turturro, the, the, the robot that wants to play soccer plays, with him. Put, basketball yeah that robot does not want to be part of any fight he just wants to shoot some shoot some hoops and yeah and like get it get it uh an autobot tan or whatever but uh let me ask you guys about this not the villain not not the temptress lady but uh quintessa uh, megatron yeah quintessa megatron megatron what did you guys think about his plot line in here so one of my favorite scenes is when megatron is asking for all his uh, like friends to be released, <laughs> and they keep saying no, 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 no. And I thought it was like one of the only moments in the film that had a sense of humor to it, um, that it actually like came alive. So what you're referring to is a uh, sequence where Megatron is asking to recruit a series of bad Decepticons, and it, the introduction to each of these is like ripped out of the let's do this worse than suicide squad play handbook where you exactly. where, where you get like you get like a, a 30 a 30 second clip of them doing something bad and then their like name their like name comes up as a title card and like free in free, in free frame, frame. Yeah. and th- it says things like what what are these fuck what are these names these goddamn robots like it's, it's uh, like, 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 like axe killer is, and whatever else film of silence yeah. well no i think they handled it better than suicide squad did because they actually <laughs> showed them doing something bad but I just didn't. Once again, I was like, I think he's gonna be able to do this movie without any jive talking. And then that sequence showed up. Nope. Like, yeah. Right, never mind. Yeah, he has the actor Reno Wilson like on like permanent blackmail or something because he keeps getting him in to do like horrible Transformer stereotypes every time. Like it's it's not it's not good. But, not good. But Jordan, but Jordan, Reno Jordan, I see what I see what is, you're saying. I, just, I I didn't find any humor in it. I was more like, really? Like we're going freeze frame yeah, character introductions now? Like yeah. that? Like if this was not the fifth Transformers movie, I'd probably be down for something. Like that, but this time it's like this is a, in the in the midst of all this other stuff going on. It's like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is this is too much for me. I can't handle this. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I bring it up is is because we've talked about well, we've all probably seen the previous four Transformers movies, and he's got a good villain arc. You know, Megatron has a really good villain arc of like, hey, like That's... I'm trying to destroy you, Optimus Prime, but at the same time, like I just wanted like you. We were once cool guys together. We were bros. And then I guess uh, I wanted I had a different view of Cybertron than you did, and let's let's battle this out. And then here it's just like, no, let's just get four of his bad dudes. They all die in like thirty seconds. Yeah, it doesn't amount to anything. That's the other thing. It doesn't uh, it doesn't add up to anything. They all just die in the next yeah, action and then, sequence. And then, <laughs> right, and it's like, oh well, I guess that's how robots die. So why isn't that like? Didn't I see John Goodman's character get blown up in the last movie or something? No, he was like fine. I mean, what's going on? No, you here? keep Goodman. Goodman was another highlight of that movie. <laughs> I, I love Goodman and Buscemi. I mean, that was a good point by Alan. Well, yeah, Buscemi coming into this movie, it's like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, I'm just trying to get at it. it 
you guys had a pretty cool thing with a villain here, especially a long extended villain arc that everyone kind of already knows about. And yet here it is just thrown away. And, and then you added Quintessa, which is like not even really explained at all. And that's just a, a waste as well. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I was pointing to when you, when you remove by talking about Optimus Prime and his removal from the movie, he's, yeah. I mean, you can talk about Bumblebee all you want as far as like, he says things in radio speak. That's hilarious. Or talk about John Goodman and like other celebrity voices. Ken Watanabe returns as well. Like that's fine as far as, okay, these transformers have personalities, but Optimus Prime's the only one that's at, he's a character. As ridiculous as that is, he's someone you can like care about in this world of Transformers, and you get rid of that. Like it's not as like like this movie has a shockingly similar plot to Fate of the Furious, but at least Vin Diesel was still involved in most of that movie. This is just like mm. we've gotten rid of the the star character of the Transformers franchise, and we're not even going to deal with them for a long time. Like it just it's it doesn't help anything. Well. Not only that, he went down real fast. Yeah, it's, he did. It reminded me a lot of Batman and Robin, where it was like, Quintessa just reminded me of Poison Ivy. Come on, boys. Join me. And Optimus Prime was like, okay. That, that, you, you make a solid point. Yeah, there. he, he, he yeah. turns yeah. real like fast, big... but then he turns back even faster. Inexplicably. Let me describe this scene. Let me describe this bat. So there's like a whole. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, wait. No, no, no. Describe, describe being on Cybertron 2. Okay. Like, so Optimus Prime goes to Cybertron. <laughs> he thinks it's abandoned. Well, hold on. And by going to Cybertron 2, it means he's in space and we see him just kind of frozen and floating and he just lands on Cybertron eventually. <laughs> like, that's what happens. He doesn't even, like, fly there. He just kind of drifts to it. <laughs> and I guess he yeah, has to throw a homing beacon. And then a, Quintessa has a real strong magnet. And then yeah. And then once getting there, he immediately confronts her, like tries to take a. No, he thaws. He thaws. He, he thaws out. Then he, yeah, then, then, he thaws. then he tries to confront her. That does not go easy. He gets caught right away. Quintessa's like, Optimus Prime, I'm your creator. You can't attack me, but you have to save Cybertron. He's like. Yeah, so that makes yeah, and then like she that, that's an actual line. Pretty much, movie. yeah. Yep. She like touches his face and it turns half purple, so that I guess that means he's bad now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, that's the convincing part. The end, the the you know the the highlight of all of these trailers has been the big fight he has with Bumblebee and everything. You get to that scene, which comes after it's not a which fight. comes which comes after an entire like submarine based action sequence that gets into aliens territory once they're on this like underground like underwater ship. They come. They yeah. come out of the water. Optimus Prime's there. He's, he's like he has this. He has Merlin's staff, which is the you know the the bringer of life to Transformers worlds. He neatly tucks it away in his. pocket. Yeah, he has a breast pocket that he tucks it away in. Yeah. He, and Bumblebee's like, I don't know about this. And he starts fighting out. He starts like trying to like get at Prime and like fighting at him. Bumblebee, by the way, let's. I, I have to say this now so we get to this. Bumblebee is is known for one thing. Not being able to talk in his own voice. There's even a, there's yes. even a point earlier in the movie where they replace his voice thing, put in a new one, and it still doesn't work. So he has no voice. That's what I've come to understand. Five movies. Never mind that at the end of the first movie they fix his voice. <laughs> but, um, and, Aaron, Aaron, again, we have to throw everything we've seen out the window. Yes, because in the second one he's just back to not having a voice again. The kids like that way too much. <laughs> so this fifth movie, they're fighting. They're fighting. It's a big epic fight. It's very watery. This is a very wet movie, guys. A lot of water, water all over the place. They're fighting. They're fighting it a lot. They're getting the punches in. The fight's not that memorable compared to other fights, but they're happening. By the very end of this, Optimus Prime's about to like cut off Bumblebee's head. He's about to get him good, and Bumblebee, out of nowhere, uses his voice to say, "Optimus Prime, it, I'm, it's me, and I follow, I follow you everywhere to the end." And Optimus Prime's just like, 
oh, what am I doing? Why was I fighting you? Yeah. Where did his voice come from? Like, where did this happen? It, it's just... I mean, it, it, it is very perplexing. It is perplexing. Because, and I'm sorry, I'm shouting. Yeah, because, I don't again, like to shout. It, it, no, no, no. I, I, because, again, they explicitly show you Steve Buscemi coming in and giving him a voice box, and then it's not his voice, and so he goes back to the radio. So if he had his voice all along, that just means that Bumblebee is a huge asshole. It's just, it's not even like... I think we all know that every Autobot's an asshole. It's not even... It, every single accurate, one. It's not, it's not even nitpicking. It's me pointing out the movie doesn't even know what it's... It's, not it's, it's, it's the movie it's, not it's knowing what it's doing. accurately describing the it's movie. Because the, well, the movie, it actually sets up the very thing that doesn't follow through on. Like, it's showing you this very common fact that Bumblebee just doesn't speak. And its solution to that is just to have him speak. That That's... That speaks to the laziness of this movie. That's what it does. It just it doesn't. It's it's trying so hard to give you lots of movie, but it's not giving you anything that's like real. It's not giving you anything that's like that you can even latch onto. Even by Transformers standards, it's not giving you anything to latch onto. It's not memorable. I, it's it's yeah. not the only thing it's memorable for is us having the couple days of memory we have to talk about for this podcast. After this, I'm not gonna remember this movie. I'm, uh, it's I'm not, like, just, I, I, just, I totally forgot about the plot before we got on the show. Anyhow, I, the only uh, uh, part that made this worth it was looking over at the people I watched it with and seeing their horrified faces and knowing they were just as miserable as I was. See, I, Can I ask you guys a question, follow-up question about that? Did anybody leave your viewing uh, when you guys were watching the movie? No, but there was applause at the uh, end. No. There was only one family that left my viewing uh, at, at, in my movie. And then there was later, there was people crying for, like... Optimus Prime because coming back. Like, why? There, this movie makes no I, sense. Why would you? I cry? had applause in my movie. Like, because the movie was over, or well, because they thought it was. Well, because it uh, ended applause. and it was applause. You know, the kind of like, hey, we saw this and we applauded. <laughs> I would say though, the, the the bits of comedy, there was very little laughing that I could hear. Like, and I, and, you know, being in these Transformers movies, it tends to be pretty, you know, laugh heavy as far as the kind of little jokes that Michael Bay sprinkles in, regardless of how effective they are. The consensus in the crowd is generally like, hey, that was kind of funny. This, I didn't get that. Even with the Gerard Carmichael stuff, which again, is like, wh- why is he not making me laugh? And apparently the audience agreed. Because it's like, this is not like making yeah. it work. I want to talk about Co- Cog. I want to oh. talk about this Cogman character. Jordan, you mentioned this Cogman character is someone you liked a lot. I like the character. I, I, I didn't. I could not stand this Cogman guy. Like, I liked the idea at first. But then he just became so like just nasty. Like the for a movie that seemed to be a lot more geared towards family friendliness, this is the one thing that kept being, making it be like, "Yep, this is why it's PG-13." There's a lot of like cursing robots this time around. We're just like, "Why are they cursing so much?" This seems seems I overboard. To add that the girl is cursing really terrible things in Spanish, like some of the the worst words in Spanish. And I was like, "Why?" It's funny because she's saying it, but at the same time, it's like this is not PG-13 like friendly. The only thing I liked about Cogman is that he had like a little built-in holding his hand where his vest would be, kind of thing on his suit. Uh-huh. Like you the know, the thing I liked like, about him was like his, his finger turned to flame. Um, yeah. He was just like a weird sociopathic C-3PO. I don't know. If, I don't know if I was into <laughs> it. Jordan, you wanted to defend your Cogman stance? I, I I thought he had. I can't remember what I laughed at, but I remember he made me laugh like once or twice. When uh, he I, left on top of Mark Wahlberg to defend the professor's honor. I. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> and almost fresh Mark's Robert Robert windpipe. Nothing about the movie. It hasn't even been. When a week. He, when, I can't remember. Or when, when he, or when he told Anthony Hopkins, "You're pretty cool. You were the coolest." That's right. Oh, yeah. that, is, that is a line in the movie. <laughs> that is Cogman's final line. In the How about when he beats two fish to death so he can make a dinner for Mark Wahlberg and the professor under in the submarine? 
Yeah. Maybe that was it. I think that made me. When he starts beating up fish. I don't know. I, I was. I, I didn't. Mean, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. Here. I, I was desperate to laugh at anything. That that that's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, can I, I ask so you I guys? I like uh, this first line when he says, uh, "Oh, professor, remember that thing about the thing that's happened." <laughs> I was like, oh, boy, they had no idea what they were doing when they were making this movie. They're like, how about you just say that, and we'll figure out what that thing is later. That's, that's, a, that's a good way to go about it, making it, writing a movie here. Um, let me ask you guys, and this will be my final question. Let me ask you guys about the ending of the movie. What did you guys think about that? Where basically, apparently, uh, you know, the villain is human form Quintessa. now. And Quintessa is human form now, and she's in the desert and she's telling these people not to not to dig or something like that. So, what was what what was that all about? Well, again, again, I, I think they're crossing over with X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> that's, that's what I felt like. Again, I, I feel like the movie just it, it just forgot about its other movies because like the second movie has has a as one of the actresses as like a transformer in disguise. It's like this this, this isn't shocking that mm-hmm. a transformer can be a human because I've seen that in another Transformers movie. It just it just okay. kind of felt hollow. It's like, okay, we're getting a cliffhanger of sorts because the main villain's still alive, but I've seen Transformers disguise themselves as human beings before, so that's not really interesting to me. It's like, okay, yeah, we're setting it up for another one. I know there's another one. These movies make a lot of money. That, that's what happens. Not this one, apparently. Hopefully this one doesn't make as much. <laughs> I'm just curious where it goes. Like, yeah, because they're, they're already... The, the idea is to make Bumblebee movie next year, but, like, do you do you care? Like, do you want to? I mean, it's supposed to be set in the '80s. It has Haley Steinfeld and Travis Knight directing it. Does that does that make you be like, you know what? I can forgive this one because they got another one coming out next year. Does that make you interested at all? Not at all. No. I, I'd actually honestly say kind of because I like Travis Knight, and so I'm I'm curious to see what he can do with it. But if it's going to be held back by the forces, uh, the producers in this movie, then obviously it's going to be more of the same. And quite honestly, this movie was like what what was his budget? Like over two hundred yep. million. I hope that it doesn't make that back. And that's like the movie studios make a lot of money because they, they release a lot of movies, but this franchise just, it, again, we, we've all described it. It's just all over the place. And at some point we have to sit down and say, look, let's just kill this. You know, the Hasbro thing has been kind of okay. What do you, what do you have? The Transformers are the, the most successful. And then GI Joe. Uh, GI Joe, which is probably been the second most successful. And then what was that third movie with like uh, Bell, friend of the show? Battleship. Uh, <laughs> Battleship, yeah. There's so also like, Gem know, and the Holograms. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. But at a certain point, the franchise... And Ouija. There's also Ouija. Can't forget about Ouija. I forgot. Is that... Is that, that's not, that doesn't have Hasbro. It is. It's a, yeah, it is. It yes, it does. Oh, wow. It is a, it is a, <laughs> it's a Hasbro job. toy. It's produced by Michael Bay. Yeah. In any case, uh, at least the Fast and Five... But Fast ha- and Furious Hasbro... Movies, where they're ending. You know what I mean? They're going to end at ten movies. That's maybe the end of it. But they have a stop point where this one, if you're going to have 10 more features uh, in the cinematic universe, that's that's you're asking for a lot of uh, stretch imagination. Well, I talked about this before where, you know, Transformers movies, so something that works about them, regardless of your thoughts on them, is that they only come out every three years. It's not like you have to deal with constant Transformers. This is this new sure. idea is like, let's have one every year. It's like, I don't want to have a Transformers movie every year that takes out the spectacle that comes from these. This one didn't help by being the first one that I can't defend in the same way I do with the other four. But, you know, having having this terrible movie come out to precede this kind of giant universe of Transformers films is like, no, thank you. Like, I don't, I don't need that. And, yeah, by default, sure, I'll see a Bumblebee movie and I'll continue because, you know, I'll just see these movies. But it's like, 
I really hope there's some good drawing <laughs> drawing board ideas yeah, you're, you're for where these going to go. Getting a lot of diminishing returns. Yeah, especially this time because yeah. this just felt like it, it's not even like even like the weird like racist stuff from the sequels. It's like at least that gives it some kind of weird identity. Where this one just feels like bland. Like in addition to be, being just <laughs> bad, it's just a bland movie. Such a weird thing to well, say. it is, but it, like it yeah. gives it character in its own weird, perverse way. This is just bland. Like it's there's nothing about it that's memorable in the same way that those ones have. Yeah. Which is the worst kind of thing, because that means I'm just kind of bored watching a two and a half hour movie about robots that turn into stuff. That should never be boring, regardless of how bad it is. It should always be somewhat exciting to see cars that turn into things fighting each other in epic ways. Yeah. As stupid as that sounds. <laughs> We've seen stupid. I, ha- I but... have a theory on why I think Michael Bay has continued to direct these movies, why he keeps, you know... Well, Alan brought up a good theory, too, which, uh, which I actually enjoyed. Which theory? It was the whole time, like, well, I see a lot of things, these, man. He's, no, he's just doing these to uh, essentially make another, get enough money hmm. for pen, another pain and gain. Well, that's less of a theory. That's more yeah, of, one for you. One that's for more me. of an ob- That's like more of an obvious thing. That's much like a lot of directors uh-huh. and actors do, where they, you know, they, they, you know, go for the big franchise play so they can do their own thing. Yeah, we've we've seen it. We've seen Ben Affleck do it. I, Nolan what did latest, it. What was the latest movie that he just did that didn't really get, turn out that well? Uh, Live by yeah. Night. Well, Live that was that night, was his yeah. passion project, but he gets to <laughs> be Batman mm-hmm. and do all that. Um, it's cl- anyway, what's your theory? Well, I think that ever since the first Transformers lost best visual effects to the, the Golden Compass, I think Michael Bay's been chasing after that visual effects Oscar nomination. I think he wants that. I think he wants that win. I think he wants to be the guy that got an Oscar for one of his for Transformers movie, which I don't blame him for. I guess like they look good, and I'd certainly I'd still give Transformers the visual effects Oscar over Golden Compass. If it's that is polar bears. It was that was a crazy loss. And I think it's more snobbery out of the Academy's point. It's like, well, this one, you know, it's, it has a lot of prestigious actors and polar bears where that one's just a bunch of robots. Like, I, I <laughs> but I, I kind of think that he's been, and that said, Age of Extinction did not get any nominations for anything. Um, and I don't expect this one to. Uh, and, but still, I feel like that's part of Michael, I think he's kind of bitter about that. I think that's why he's stuck, stuck with these Transformers movies to kind of like keep pushing it as far as these visual effects go. It's a shame. Possibly. It's a shame, though, that... Yeah. For all the robot clashing there is and explosions there are, it just it just kind of it's here and it's gone. Like I don't think anyone this summer is gonna be like if and from like a general audience perspective, gonna be like, Man, Transformers was the move that really delivered for me. I just think they'll be like, Well, that was one that I saw this summer. What are the other things that I saw? Lots of other cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I'm looking at a, at a photo still right now on IMDB of of uh, the last night here. And it's the photo of like the kids running away from um uh, Ed two oh nine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's a kid here that I didn't even know was in that scene. I was like, what? <laughs> there was like an extra kid here that that has no speaking lines, and I'm pretty sure that they might they may have CG'd him out of the entire scene. Well, there was that one trailer that was very uh, heavily centered around the, the girl, uh, right? The little kid. Girl. And she was talking to the camera like, oh, they say, or say have you ever fought like a girl or something like that. And she gives this whole monologue. And I'm wondering if she was in the film more but they just cut her out uh since there are six editors i i i really wonder if at one point she was in more of the scenes uh and at the last minute they had to just take well that's out. what i was saying like i feel like the movie just kind of forgot about her just stopped caring and they just like went a different direction even though it's like this is more interesting yeah. to me than just seeing mark Wahlberg be the chosen one and running around uh what yeah. else guys <laughs> Let, let's end it don't ever see it. I'm just, uh, yeah. I 
Oh wait, did you get? Did, how'd you guys watch it? I watched it in two D, and did you did you guys get a lot of weird aspect ratio jumps? I mean, I, I saw it in the full. Yeah, I, I saw the full actually. full three D IMAX in a giant IMAX theater, and it certainly you know it's very noticeable. I saw I it felt, in two D, uh, and I did see like one or two times where there was like an aspect ratio change. I was like, that was weird. I felt like yeah, there were like it was forty constant. of these things. Yeah, I felt like it was a lot. Hmm. It's there. I mean, I, like, it's... with with my screen, I saw it on the biggest screen at the theater here in town, and it didn't even take up the entire screen, which normally all the films do. Uh, which, when it changed aspect ratios, it looked even smaller. Uh, yeah, it was just a very bizarre uh, viewing. I mean, from like from that from like the technical level, I I, I don't fault it for what it's doing. I part of what I still try to champion in Michael Bay, the things that I try to find is that he is pushing things as far as that kind of filmmaking. He he has these kind of special digital IMAX 3D cameras that he shot the, like, pretty much the entire film with. And he's certainly going for it. Like he's trying to, in the same way that like, and honestly like David Fincher goes for it or even Christopher Nolan, like they, they try these techniques that are on the set, like something that's, that has a level of influence on other filmmakers, which is why I think a lot of actors and other filmmakers don't have bad... Want to work with they, well, yeah, they want to work with him. They don't have bad things to say about him, regardless of the movies that are turned out from this. Michael Bay is a giant film geek. He is a guy that loves the process. That does, it, it, just because his movies aren't Steven Spielberg movies doesn't mean he doesn't have the same appreciation. I mean, there's, yeah. It's one thing to talk about talent as far as the final product goes, but at the same time, these movies have, you know, four movies in, they've made billions of dollars. He's the, he's not in a position where he's like, i got to fix this because every, all these critics are saying I'm not doing a good job. People clearly want to see these movies. Now, there are diminishing returns, clearly, as these movies have made less and less money since the second movie, and this one in particular right. seems to kind of be a stopping point as far as people's interest. So, like Alan, you said, I can only hope that Michael Bay takes all of his experience from this and moves on to other things and doesn't feel just obligated to direct just because Paramount's offering him money to. I want to see him do stuff. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of The Island in the same way other people are. A lot of people seem to want to champion that one. But I certainly respect him doing something like that that's different and involves more than just the same. Well, again, I mean, even with Pain and Gain, I was Pain and Gain is a huge movie. one, yeah. I, I mean, like, we, we've seen Bad Boys and we've seen Transformers and we've seen a lot of other Michael Bay movies. But I was genuinely shocked when I was like, "Oh, this actually has a plot, like uh, like characters that I want to learn more about." And this, there's actually some sort of narrative here that has me in my seat wanting to find out more. That's crazy. So he can. I mean, what I, I think I read in like a New York Times article one time that uh, this is to Aaron's point of Michael film Michael Bay being a film geek. Like one of his favorite films is like West Side Story. So this guy loves movies. He just loves making movies and. If he's going to make a better movie based off of the talent list that he has growing for him and based off of the newest technologies, then, then great, fine, do it. I'm all for that. But please, just, you know, like what Aaron said, don't do it because you're going to get $100 million from Paramount to make another Transformers movie. Anything else on this film, I, I Jordan, Jordan loves Pain and Gain, and I know this. I know you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that And movie. it does its job. And, yeah, like you said, Abe, he's had, he's has a – a variety of films he loves. He's a huge Coen Brothers fan, which is why he has John Turturro and Francis McDormand and John Malkovich like all in these movies. Like they are. I didn't know that, and that actually makes sense. Oh yeah, he, and that's why he did Pain and Gain. That story has such a level of quirk to it that it fits in that kind of realm. You could see I, it it's obviously made way different than a Coen Brothers movie, but at the same time, you can see them taking on that same kind of story and doing something with it. And even like mm -hmm. Thirteen Hours, I mean that movie. Like it comes down to who's writing the script and what have you, but that's him delivering. It's kind of his, you know his Black Hawk Down essentially. It's not quite as good as Black Hawk Down, but I mean it still has him like it's making him making Call of Duty the game into a movie. Like that's really what it boils down to. 
It's better than American. And you Sniper. get a, it is, and you get a bunch, and it you get is, a bunch yeah. of solid character actors and Jim from The Office to like add into this, so it, like it works out. And Roy, and Roy from The Office, office you're right. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> working together as buds. Right. All right. <laughs> when should people see this movie? <laughs> Uh, in all honesty, if you do want to uh, watch it, you should watch it on rental, but there's no need for you to see this movie ever. Projected onto a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Blood of Chicago? Sure. Why not? Jordan? Like, it's really just, clear. Just, like, don't, just don't. There's you know, a lot of money was put into this. It, like, visually, great. But once again, like, there's really nothing that screams, like, I have to see this on the big screen. Yeah. Like, there are no great money shots in it. You could just see it at home, and it'll have the same effect, I feel. I think the two the two big money shots in this movie, one is Wahlberg and his hair in slow motion outside the car door when a, when Bumblebee, like, transforms, <laughs> yeah, like, know, part of his body. Exactly. I think that's one. And then the other is, you know, obviously the Optimus Prime Bumblebee, like, fight stuff. That's it. Like, that's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. There's <laughs> Not even. Like, even, like, when he slices those five Decepticons. Oh, yeah, that like, one. It yeah. once yeah. broke. Or when Mike Wahlberg takes off his shirt. Like, those are the <laughs> IMAX versions. <laughs> those abs, though. But, no, I'm with you, Abe. But I don't, I don't, as much as I'm happy to champion this format, seeing, like, a true IMAX film that's shot for IMAX, I'm just, wait for Dunkirk and skip this one altogether. Like, there's, I, I, yeah. I'm all about supporting the other ones. Less than, less two. I mean, t- but somehow this movie's worse than two, which is impressive. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Is two the one with like the uh, the gold chain guys? Yes, and, like, the, and the pyramids. Uh, you know, them... yeah. Oh no, I still hate two. I hate to, I hate that movie so much. It's a, I can't watch it anymore. But I would still say that that was a better experience for me watching than the, this this one. Yeah, I agree. Because at least Sh- Shia LaBeouf at least brings something to it. Like there's some like wacky energy that he. Has. I was gonna say that there's yeah a fun goofiness that he brings to Be- the screen with before these the third one where he was the weak link in that movie. I don't remember the plot of that one. They're, they blow up yeah, a lot anyway. of a lot of Chicago and Leonard Nimoy. It, it all. Which one? Which one had Ken Jeong? That's the third one. That that's the third one. one that's the third one. Where, they, where they murder Ken Jeong by Ken throwing. Jeong. Okay. Yeah, murder him and then was it two? That was three. Out of a window and then they both go back to. That was meeting. three. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's all terrible. Never mind. <laughs> all these movies. I hear the thing. I don't. I think I was more upset, like angry in part two, than in. Than this past Friday I was, that I saw in the afternoon. I, I, I was happier to throw my hands up in the air with two at the point where Shia LaBeouf, he's, he's like temporarily dead and seeing a vision of all the primes in like Transformers Afterlife and then he comes back to life and I was like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> like whatever. This is, what, this is what we're doing? Sure. <laughs> they, they're able to oh. film at the actual pyramids for Michael Bay? Why not? Let's, let's see where this goes. So let's move on, guys. Let's, 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 let's get out of this. That, please. We, got, we still got some show here. Let's do this. That that was a fun that was a fun like full spoiler thing though. I'm, I'm glad that we had a good time. I hope that. that's decipherable for people. And I'm sorry I couldn't get someone to defend Transformers on this podcast, but I I don't I mean I feel like I did the best as far as saying this is the most Bay. So if you want all of Michael Bay, it's right there. I mean it's it's not as though we like trash on Michael Bay himself. We I support Michael Bay. I do my best to champion the things he does really well. Again, I don't think that we are trashing Michael Bay. <laughs> oh no, I think everybody here is pretty much a fan of Michael Bay. I mean, I'm going to be there first time. Uh, like, And his next movie, it doesn't really matter what it is. I'm still going to go. Because if it's a Transformers movie, then Aaron's going to make me go <laughs> see it. So, <laughs> but like any other movie, like August, I don't care. I'm fine right. with him. Like, even everybody involved in this film, like that's fine. Just don't do this again. Do something else. 
Right. Yeah, there is a road back, I would say. And again, while the Bumblebee movie is not like on my, you know, the wish list of things I want to see, that Travis Knight thing's intriguing, but also it can't be this, right? Like, that's, like that, that's that's kind of where I'm leaning. I'm, I'm, I'm holding my breath on it. I didn't want to say anything about it, but yeah, that's how I'm thinking it. can't about be it. this? Well, no, think about it this way. Think about how much clout does Michael Bay have and how much pushback can he give to the producers? Travis Knight isn't going to have the same amount of clout as Michael Bay, so the producers might just steamroll him and the next movie might be complete shit. So. That's why I was holding my breath. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> we have a year to find out. So see. at least you guys will be back for that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the uh, it's in the out now contract spinoffs included we're gonna be like we're gonna be like uh mark zuckerberg you signed the papers man all right let's speaking of point zero percent zero one percent let's uh let's get to three percent let's get to let's get to our sponsor <laughs> this week today's podcast is brought to you by audible why audible audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks for your iphone android zune or any kind of m3 device additionally Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Choose a book to download for free and start listening. It's just that easy. audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Okay. Let's move on now. Let's get to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We, we asked a number of questions you guys gave you listeners gave us the answers. Then you asked us some questions, and we'll give you the answers. So yeah, Jordan Allen, feel free to you know lend your own thoughts on these as we go through them. Oh, right. I intend to. All right, first one here: toys, comics, movies. Which is your favorite Transformers character? Chris writes Warpath. Hmm, Warpath. I mean, if we're if we're going like the full Transformers universe, I'm a big fan of like the the. Um... The one where they're like the animals, and I actually really like uh, Beast Wars. That, yeah, Beast Wars. I, I'm a big fan of the Raptor because he he switches sides, so you're you're still never sure which side he's on. But I also like their boss there, the gorilla guy. All right. I'm a big fan of uh, Soundwave. That's actually my answer. That's that's always been my favorite Soundwave. Who in the cartoons form he would turn into a <laughs> cassette player and have other Transformers come out of him as cassettes. One of the many, nice. one of the one of the forms he took, of course. But yeah, Optimus Primal is his name, by the way. Yeah, which is yeah. clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jordan, you have a favorite Transformer? Um, I've never really followed them that much. All right, I don't. It's fair. I guess Optimus, if I had to. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the next question we have, which is fairly similar, um, do you have a favorite Transformers character from the film, films? And Chris Chris writes Bumblebee in the first film when he was battered up when he was battered up Camaro with a sweet engine. All right, next question. I mean, yeah, the science of the lambs, but favorite Anthony Hopkins films, perhaps outside of that? Uh, Alessandra writes, I'll go for the elephant man, while my lovely fiance, who loves Anthony Hopkins, is more than a little obsessed with the Hannibal character. Votes for Remains of the Day as well. Chris Bram writes, Bram Stoker's down. Dracula. <laughs> is Van Helsing? Yeah. That's, uh, does he have long hair? He has long, yeah. Yeah, he has long, long, yeah, long no, yeah, yeah, he does have long yeah. hair. Yeah, he's like long brown hair. Okay. Yeah. Um, Chris writes, The Bounty... Bridge Too Far, Remains of the Day, The Guy's a Legend. Uh, friend of the show, Jay, writes The Alpha Man or Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's the, he's the boss. Yeah. Manish has Howard's End. <laughs> Amy writes Titus. And lastly, Jason has I really like him in The Mask of Zorro. He is really good in Mask of Zorro. Like, I, it, it, it's funny to think about that, but he, has, he is really good in that movie. Titus is a good answer. Uh, Elephant Man is a great answer. 
yeah, guys, that has a lot of rules, a lot of great. Rules. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I really like uh, the world's fastest Indian. Yes, it, that's not a, a lot yeah. to talk about. That's a, that's an underseen movie. Yeah. It's great. That's a really good and one. No one has seen it. I remember that. That, a shame. that had a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> there was a Super Bowl commercial for the world's fastest Indian when that movie was coming out, which was always shocking to me. Because <laughs> like that. Yeah, be- it's one of my favorite uh, films of his. Oh, I liked him when I like him when he plays presidents, There's like a- Amistad or Nixon. Nixon. Mm-hmm. He was John Quincy Adams in Amistad. He was pretty cool. The next question we have here is, what's the most absurd thing you remember from a Michael Bay film? Jay writes, giant robot testicles. Yeah, it's pretty absurd. Evan writes, Stanley Tucci playing two... <laughs> they in- seem pretty proportionate. I don't know if they were giant. Evan <laughs> writes, Stanley Tucci playing two entirely different characters within the same franchise for no explained reason. That happens, but yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Because you want Stanley Tucci in your movie twice. I don't understand these grievances. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Tyler writes Dwayne the Rock Johnson grilling hands outdoors while high on drugs. That's the that's just life. That's the point that's in the movie where it free. It, that's the point. That's in the movie when where, he's like. That's the point in the movie where the title card comes up that says this is still based on a true story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason writes some weird reason in Transformers Two. Bay felt the need to show a Simmons underwear. That's where John Turturro takes off his pants for no reason. That was weird. I just needed it. I I, I needed that. As a, I, I don't know. That's really normal for me. Nippon writes, <laughs> hip ghetto robots in part two. That's when I stopped and gave up on these movies forever. That's a good reason to give up. Uh, George writes, Mark Wahlberg being an inventor. <laughs> I mean, he's got glasses. <laughs> but he's not a successful inventor. He's just an inventor. He's invented things, patent pending. Last one, Chris writes, Armageddon. The whole idea of the film was ridiculous. <laughs> which which I knew when I read that, I was like, Aaron probably agrees with like, why wouldn't we just train astronauts to drill? Because that's, that's been your premise all along, right? It just doesn't make any because sense. Because it's, it's not the movie. It's not the movie. <laughs> there could be a ragtag group of astronauts that they could have had learned from serious drillers. No. Uh, next question we asked everybody, what is the most underrated Mark Wahlberg film? Chris has two guns. It only made $20 million more than its budget, but it's a great film. Uh, Nippon writes, dare I say, The Happening? The dialogue with a plastic plant, though. Uh, Dennis has the big hit, Smiley Face, Smiley Face, and Two Guns. And lastly, Manisha has apparently Sofia Coppola likes to watch Daddy's Home with her kids, so there's that. Yeah, that is true. It's on her top 10 films of the 21st century list. Right, that came out like the New York Times, right? Yeah. Um, Obviously, I love the big hit. I mentioned that many times on this podcast. We we both love the big hit. Yep. Underrated Wahlberg. I don't know. Was Four Brothers underrated? Four Brothers was a hit. It 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 was a hit. It was a summer hit. I mean, it's probably not like the go-to Wahlberg film, but I would. I mean, I think he's really good in it, and I and the movie made its money. I would say the same about the other guys. Where I think. What about Renaissance Man? And if you have serious, I answers. loved that movie as a kid. <laughs> it came on a lot. I don't know if I love it, but that's I, probably I, why I like. I've it. seen it. That's probably why I like it so much. I was going to help me understand things. What I'd say, Pain and Gain is underrated. He, I, yeah, I would say so because it wasn't a huge successful hit. It's just more of like that's a Michael Bay movie. People know because it's a Michael Bay movie. But yeah, I do think he's good. Yeah. He and The Rock are really good in it. Yeah. I would, but are we yeah. talking about like the movie or if the performance that he had in it was underrated? I think you could take it either way. Yeah, either way, but I'm, I'm seeing it more as the movie. If I want to talk about the movie, uh, I would say the one-two punch of Deepwater Horizon and Patriot's Day. I think both of those are really good. And Those both, were like, and, they came out within like eight months yeah. of each other. They came, like three months of each other. 
Green Lantern. Wow. Are they good? October, October and December. One. They're both really good. I think Peter Berg crushed it in the last two movies. I think he did a great job making both a disaster movie and a you know a bio a bio drama essentially. And and I think they worked out well. Just it, they didn't catch on with audiences. But Wahlberg's good in them, and I think the movies are good. Would you guys say that the 2001 Planet of the Apes is underrated? No, I think it's a terrible movie. <laughs> no, it's garbage. Yeah. Awful. Okay. No, I'm just curious. <laughs> what about like Contra who was the villain Man? in that? I didn't see that. In what Planet of the Apes? Tim, Tim Roth. Tim, Tim, Tim Roth. Roth. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm sorry. What was your question? I, I was I was wondering the other day why is Tim Roth not been the villain in one of these apes? I was like, oh yeah, that's right, because he was already a villain in one of the apes movies. <laughs> it's like he'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be perfect in he one of these new villain. ones, but he's already he's already done it. So. Oh. What was your question, Alan? Uh, uh, Alan, what were you saying? Sorry. Uh, nothing, nothing. Okay. I was going to add, as far as performance goes, I Heart Huckabees. Wahlberg is fantastic in I Heart Huckabees. It is the one good thing in that movie. I think he's like the only good He's the only good. He's movie. the only good thing in that movie, and he's absolutely great. There's my answer. Like, who is the, uh, the therapist in that movie? Uh, Isabel Huppert. Yeah, yeah, They also yeah. have Lily Tomlin and Dustin Hoffman. Well, I was annoyed by her and Jason Schwartzman. And Dustin Hoffman's in there. And I was annoyed by Naomi Watts. And Jude, Jude Law is giving a rare American accent, which is that in like the in the Young Pope, or like the only times he's done that, which is weird. I guess cold. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Is that true? I guess Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain's the other one where he's done. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's he doesn't do that cool because well, he, he plays English. He's he's like the definitely he's like Jude Law like is yeah, like a guy that's which, English. Which, like know, that's what I, I, I see Jude Law. That they, you know he's, he's not going to give up his standards for. <laughs> Well, also, his American accent doesn't sound that good. It's not that great. No, it's it's not it's not house enough where it's like weird. It's just awkward. <laughs> yeah, it is awkward. Yeah, because even in Young Pope, it's like well, because, because you look at Judah. Judah is a guy that screams English to me like more than it more than anyone else. <laughs> more than even more than Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch. <laughs> uh, all right. Our last question: What do you still want to see in a Transformers film? Chris writes, um, a good one. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Chris writes, um, not a lot. I'm sort of transformed out. Maybe an R-rated film. I know that if I saw a car transform into a robot, my language wouldn't be clean. Uh, Jason writes, maybe a JJ or John Favreau Transformers film. Nippon writes, nothing from these guys. I'll wait until I'm 50 and a remake comes out my, with my boxy robots. <laughs> and Tyler writes, an ending. Mm. I want to see uh, Transformers like uh, Logan with Optimus Prime just driving around <laughs> with... Uh... A dying bumblebee. <laughs> That'd be kind of interesting if they had like a, a Logan Noir type Transformers movie. Somebody just takes it. James Mangold takes it on like twenty years from now. Be Funny. I want to see it next year. <laughs> it's in production. And now we move into the questions that I'm going to ask everybody here today. Jason asks us, "What do you guys think of all this Han Solo drama? Do we have another Fantastic Four 2015 version on our hands?" No, Disney will not allow that to happen. So, I think they'd rather just postpone the release date and redo it if they're going to put that out. So, okay, because uh, I've read a lot about this, and obviously there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot I, I, the, give us some background. Yeah, here. There's a lot of conjecture on what's going on. What have you? But I've certainly read. I've done my due diligence as far as getting an accurate. So, I think I got right. an accurate read on what's happening, even if it's not entirely 100% accurate, because there's always way more going on behind the scenes than you'll ever know. But I think the general what what it amounts to so for those that aren't familiar han solo lost its directing team this week which was uh phil lord and chris miller the t- directors behind 21 jump street films the lego movie the lego movie um cloudy of a chance of meatballs Cloudy of a chance of meatballs yeah, so they 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 were hired on for han solo they have a they have a way of shooting their films which as you can tell by something like the 21 jump street movies for example they shoot a lot of improv you know in addition to having a script they shoot a lot of like let's have some bounce back and forth between the actors that kind of thing and then we can find it in the edit which is not uncommon when you make comedy films or whatnot, but you're making something like Star Wars, 
there's and you have like Kathleen Kennedy, who's you know the producer on these, who's in charge of Lucasfilm and has been working with Lucas and Spielberg for the better part of you know forty years. She has an idea of what she wants to see from a Star Wars movie. Now, the script by, for this movie is written by Lawrence Lawrence Kasdan, who's you know he's wrote, wrote Empire, wrote lots of other things with Spielberg and Lucas, wrote the wrote um the force awakens he has a he you know he knows star wars at this point um i think it's a from what i can tell it seems like it's a mix of clashing of ideas between both how lord and miller were doing their thing versus what kasdan's script said and another thing that i, I think it's not got enough publicity is alden Ehrenrich, who plays han solo he was the one that kind of brought this to the attention of kathleen kennedy where his take on the character as good as it's supposed, supposedly supposed to be, and still fits in the vibe of being, you know, kind of humorous and what have you, to for whatever the tone of this movie is supposed to be, it was he wasn't quite jiving with what Phil Lord and Chris Miller were doing, and he brought that to the agenda of Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan. They started looking at dailies, and they kind of agreed, mainly because the movie's not done, so they only have kind of a rough outline of what they're seeing, and as a result, they wanted the other, they wanted the two to go a different direction. They wanted them to kind of adhere more to how the process goes with making these Star Wars films. Sure. Whether or not that's a ingredients for success, well, you can look at Rogue One and Force Awakens and think about the amount of money it made with match with the critical success those films had. Um, it's easy to say, yeah, Star Wars should have a bunch of different directors doing a bunch of different kinds of things. I could support that idea, but at the same time, I, I know I know what the bar for success is for Star Wars films, which seems to you know be in line with what we've seen so far. As a result, as a, I'll, 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 I'll finish it. And we can ask more questions. As a result. Um, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired from the movie. They shot about 70% of it. And from there, uh, Ron Howard's been hired to finish the rest of the movie, which means that he'll go to London. He'll look at basically what they've shot, look at whatever draft they have with the movie that's been finished and kind of fill in the gaps where needed and either reshoot the large chunks of the film or just shoot the remaining bits that need to be filmed or make alternate takes or what have you on there. Now, this should be somewhat familiar for people from last year that were following Rogue, Rogue One's production because Gareth Edwards had a similar issue where he was making a movie that right. ultimately, when they looked at the finished product, didn't exactly align with what they thought would be a, you know, a big crowd-pleasing success. They had they hired on, um, um, what's his name, Michael Clayton, director. Tony Gilroy. Tony, thank you. Tony Gilroy, who came in, did did a lot of reshoots. You can tell that just from the basically the trailers. We have a lot of beach-focused yeah. action, which is not in the final film. Um, and they made a film that more or less worked. I, I really liked Rogue One. I think we all are at least like it. Um, but I, I was certainly a big fan. And like the it, with the difference there, Tony Gilroy and Gareth Edwards and Kathleen Kennedy, they all got along. I can understand that. Gareth Edwards is not as he, he made Godzilla and monsters. That's it. I can see mm-hmm. and he, he's a huge fan of Star Wars. He probably wants to keep being involved in Star Wars and not have some kind of bitter outcry against Star Wars. So he played ball. He went along with the idea. He was accepting of those things. I think that's what's not. The, I think that's the difference here. I think Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they weren't as happy about having to publicly give up, or having to, not even publicly, but just having to give up control of a movie they were making. As a result, it became much more public because he, they put their they let their you know publicists spell out that they've been fired from the movie, and Kathleen Kennedy had to respond by saying we've you know gone another direction. And so here you are. You have Ron Howard now directing the film, and Phil Lord and Chris Miller moving on to something else. We don't know what that's going to be yet, but you know. That's where it is. We don't know if the movie's going to be good, but who knows? A lot of things like this happen sometimes. This is rare as far as directors that have filmed most of the movie being fired uh, from the movie, and it doesn't generally lead to a lot of success, but at the same time, it's hard to tell. It's a, it's a weird yeah. position to be in. 
It's hard to tell. And my, the question I had, which you answered, was just how much they had shot. Oh, yeah. It was around seventy yeah. percent. So it's a good I mean, that that's a lot it's of a lot movie of movie that yeah. you've shot. It's kind of unfortunate because you've seen a lot of these directing controversies before with larger franchises, and we're talking about Marvel and we're talking about Star Wars. Um, even Star Wars Eight, you know, I think Ryan Johnson has said that he hasn't been consulted for Star Wars Nine, so I don't know where that leaves us, but we're, we'll see. Well, we can, okay, uh, to get so, to, to speak to that real quick, Ryan Johnson has said that he has complete creative control or complete control over his movie. He hasn't had any controversy, they, and the rumor is that everyone, or that or at least the the word around the campfire is that everyone's very happy with Episode Eight. Um, there's been no yeah. there's been no like out and out controversies involving that direction, what have you. Um. And he's, you know, he's made that movie and it's going. He also wrote and directed that movie, which, as opposed to, you know, being just a director, right. what have you. Yeah, being just a director. Uh, Colin Trevorrow is still lined up to direct episode nine. There's no reason to think right. otherwise. Despite the fact that the Book of Henry got very bad reviews and what have you, he was hired on. He was hired on way before. He wor- He plays well with others. Yeah. Whether that means automatically guarantees a great Star Wars movie, we don't know. But at the same time, sure. there's no reason. It, it came as a bit of a, it was a weird thing to come out this week because this is like a week after everyone's like, I don't know, but episode nine, because that last movie he did wasn't good. And then the other Star Wars movie is the one that loses its directors. It's like, that's something that people probably didn't see coming. Uh, but here, that's, that's I wouldn't have seen that coming either. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. uh, Alan and Jordan, what are your takes? I think that so. would make a pretty good Transformers movie, actually. Now, Lord, I could see yeah, that. Yeah, I, I could definitely yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, don't fuck with Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, that's. I think, that, I think that's the general that's, takeaway too. Like, uh, like here's my here's my opinion on this whole. Like, if you get hired for one of these franchises, you are first and foremost going to, as a director, you need to provide the product that the bosses want. They're hiring you to do a job, so provide them at least the bare minimum, and then perform your style within those guidelines. Kathleen Kennedy might have seen how Miller and Lord made their movies, like the vibe of them, but they need to work within the confines of a Disney Lucasfilm film. If they didn't, and if they weren't playing ball with them, I could see why it wouldn't work in general. If they were going to stick their nose up and have fuck you money to Kathleen Kennedy then there's no need to have them around like in that capacity if that capacity go do whatever you want to do but like i trust kathleen kennedy and all these movies so far uh rogue one had those reshoots and it was still wonderful uh episode seven was great uh episode eight looks like it's gonna be good too so if they're not playing ball within the universe of what they're trying to create or trying to establish then yeah get rid of them I'm surprised it took him this long if they knew it wasn't going to work out. Yeah, that, that's that's where I I'm fall. I'm surprised in. it got past uh, you know the initial meetings because you know you interview someone you you ask about the process. It seems like early on, like she would have said. I mean, I'm sure she did like laid out how it's going to be. Like I just wonder why you know if if they actually what they were doing going against her sure why wasn't it brought up early in the meeting clearly, clearly there had to be some kind of breaking point i mean that's that the only thing yeah. that makes sense because yeah. it's just and, like you can't get that far into production not knowing how people you know work uh, without yeah. something happening and you know I, I think that we're all on board in saying that we like filler and chris miller movies and i i'm kind of bummed out that i won't be seeing a finished product of this type of franchise within it but um yeah i mean to alan's point i mean that's a great point you know you why why do you let it go this far along and then all of a sudden, like 70 percent into it, you're just saying uh, we need to find a new dire- new director, which is a big thing. It's almost like finding like a new lead actor instead of saying like instead of Alden Eidenreich being the Han Solo. It's like 
He's not working out. Again, that's spec- You've already shot that, so much of this. That, that's stuff that I've heard. That's stuff that's been written sure, about. Sure, sure. It's not yeah, a deal. But, fine. And, I mean, and surely you know, there's probably... In terms of quality yeah. control, that's where my point is the biggest, which is, you know, if you guys are watching... If you guys hadn't seen dailies, but you guys are kind of on set and seeing what's happening, then why weren't you alerted to this earlier? Or why didn't you get a sense of this earlier? Because um, it kind of bums me out. Because I was really looking forward to this movie with Phil and Chris Miller. And uh, Ron Howard has said that, you know, he's going to make the movie that... He's gonna watch what they did, and he's not. He's gonna take their spirit and make finish the movie, but it won't be a film of Phil Lord Chris Miller movie. Which is a weird place to so, be in, like because I, I mean, I can't say that if I. If he plays, if he plays it um, Blue Family style, that'd be excellent. So I can't say that I was excited about a Han Solo movie as far as a concept goes. Like that just. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, there's so much of Star Wars that I'm interested in other things beyond just, you know. Weird, weird recreations of characters I know because of the actors that play them. So it's like, we're not getting Harrison Ford. I don't know what I'm getting out of this. But the idea of Phil Lord and Chris Miller doing it, that was something at least. That like that's the re- yeah. that's I mean beyond the fact that I'm a massive Star Wars fan and I'll see anything Star Wars. That's the be that's the like the get me into this movie. You know, I I, I need to be encouraged by this. That that was it right there. Donald Glover as Lando also a big help. Um, but yeah, the losing that factor, it's like well that's a that makes it weird now. Like that, that that's puts me on a different level. That said, I like Ron Howard. Like he's been a little hit or miss recently, but I, recently. he's certainly a competent yeah. director at the very most. He can, you know, do what's needed to make something that works. They wouldn't, you know, just, it's such a, this is, I mean, it's a massive franchise and it's also one that's turned out lots of good, but also things that have been questionable for some people. So it's like a, it's a weird spot to be in and any, yeah. any bad will be attributed to Ron Howard, unfortunately, which is sad for him. And so anything good will be attributed to, to Lord and Miller, Miller and, yeah. Miller and Lord. Well, maybe that's why they hired Ron Howard because Ron Howard doesn't need that. I don't think Ron Howard cares at that capacity because if you hire some other hired gun, it might target. That's them. yeah. That's but yeah. Ron Howard is Ron Howard, so fuck it. I'll just come in and help. He's not. He's an Oscar-winning director with a forty-year, fifty-year career behind him, so it's not like yeah, it's right. not like he's suddenly going to worry yeah, about. He's like whatever. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. But the other thing with him is what I was thinking is. Now I'm ten times more interested to see this finished product than I was before. Hmm, okay. Because at first I'm like, oh, that'll be cool. You know, I'll watch it, whatever. Now I'm like, oh, I need to see this. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see I'm how like, they're going to pull this out. I'm going to watch it objectively, but it's still going to be one of those things like where I was watching Ant-Man and trying to figure out which parts were Edgar Wright's uh, takes and which parts obviously weren't. So I'm sorry, Jordan, you were going to say? Oh, um, I wonder how it's going to be credited. If it's going to be... Uh, uh, Lord and Miller are getting directing credits for sure. Yeah, but those two and Ron Howard, like if they'll all be together under directed by. Oh, that's a that's a very weird thing for a lot of lawyers and producers to figure out, I guess. But also, yeah, I think it depends on how much footage Ron Howard actually shoots. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Because there's there's. But it seems like that's seventy percent plus reshoots. There's, you know, that's a good. Ch- well, we'll we'll see. I mean, but yeah, there's there's some there's some there's some big rules involving how a. Uh, how to credit a, a director when it comes sure. to shooting certain oh, yeah. footage and the yeah. All right, well that's a, yeah. that's a long take on what's going on right now with the Han Solo movie, but thank good question. That's a good question because there's yeah, certainly a lot that. of speculation about it. Um, so yeah, it's still. I mean, I called that it'd be coming out December, even though it has a May release date for 2018. But we'll we'll see we'll see where it actually ends up coming out. So yeah, that's that's out of feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on. Feedback. Let's move on now, guys. Let's get to, what hey, what what time is it? Aaron, I think it might be time for a quick game here.
Let him know. In fact, that's actually the song that plays on Cybertron when uh, Optimus Prime goes there for the first time. Uh huh. It's also the improv theme for this week's game, which is which is called. It's an old game we played. You re- you may remember me from such films as. Oh. So this game is Transformers themed, and I'm going to read a number Ooh. of obscure credits from various actors who have all been in Transformers films, and you have to guess the actor. Okay. Some of these might be easier Shoot. than others. But I've I've tried because some of these guys are pretty big, so I've tried to make them the most obscure picks possible. But we'll see. <laughs> obscure without being just completely impossible. Um, but so yeah, I'm gonna read those, and you, you buzz in with your name, and say what you which actor you think it is. Okay. Right, cool. You can you can jump in any time because I'm just gonna read these one by one slowly. All right. Okay. Traveler. Broken City. Mark Wahlberg. Say your name. But yes, it's Mark Wahlberg. Alan. Yeah. Alan. Okay, it's Mark Wahlberg. I had Renaissance Man on there, by the way. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I would have got it. You want to just start with that? Okay, here's the next one. <laughs> Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd. Charlie's Angels full throttle. Constantine. Charlie Countryman. Hey, oh, George. I heard. Uh, I heard Abe. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is the correct answer. Damn it. Here's the next one. Chaplin. Jordan. Yep. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is correct. Nice. You're all on the board. Honestly, that was going to be the easiest one. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the next one. Shadows and Fog. Mulholland Falls. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, Mary Riley Jordan Jordan Malkovich John Malkovich is correct uh, Totally forgot that Mary Riley was a movie Yeah me too Here's the next one Mary Riley <laughs> That's a, I, me- I remember that t- I've never seen that movie I remember that trailer no, but I, know that. I remember yeah. that trailer Yeah <laughs> You're welcome everyone <laughs> Here's the next one Monkey Shines it, that was an old movie. It could happen to you. The Pelican Brief. Uh, Alan. Yeah? Is it Stanley Tucci? It is Stanley Tucci. Nice. The next one, because I was hoping to get to it. The one I was hoping to get to was Beethoven. Because I love saying that Stanley Tucci was in Beethoven. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> Here's the next one. Last Ride. The Dressmaker. The Mule. Alan. Alan. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving is correct. Yeah. It gets Hugo? it gets really Eevee after that because then it's just Babe, Babe, Pig of the City, yeah. V for Vendetta, The Hobbit. <laughs> Here's the next one. Patch Adams. Hearts in Atlantis. Um. Oh. Ice Age. Wonder Boys. Welcome to me. Oh, uh, knocked no, up. Um, Trumbo. Jordan. Jordan. Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk is the correct answer. Alan Tudyk. Wait, okay, Alan Tudyk's in the Transformers movies? Yeah, he's in the third one as John Turturro's assistant. I was I was oh, gonna say like John Turturro, but then some of these weren't. Were really I forgot. Sense. Here's anyway. Okay. Here's the next one. Okay. Gung Ho. The Color of Money. Fearless. Uh, Alan. Alan? John Turturro. It's John Turturro. Yes, that's great. Damn it! Abe, <laughs> hey, you gotta catch up here. 
Did you have he got game on there? Uh, no, I I didn't. Sure. I don't think he, he's not in he got game. <laughs> he is. Where? Who's in he got game? He's, he's coach Billy Sunday. Oh, that's right. He's coach Billy Sunday. Okay. <laughs> he's in most Spike Lee. What am I thinking? Here's the next one. Ramona and Beezus. <laughs> Scenic route. <laughs> Chips. Whoa. Oh. Safe. Maybe should have finished this. Safe Haven. New Year's Eve. Jordan. Jordan. Josh Dumel. Josh Dumel is the correct answer. Uh. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> What's the score right now? Um, well, let's see. Abe has one. I know that. Let's see. Let's hold on. Let's see. Allen, 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 Allen. Jordan, yeah. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. It's tied. This is the last one. Oh, no. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the, here it is. Extract. Get him to the Greek. Gulliver's Travels. Rock of Ages. Uh, Allen. Alan. TJ Miller. TJ Miller is the correct answer. TJ Miller gets killed by being incinerated. The next one was Yogi Bear, by the way. Oh yeah. I definitely would have gotten it. Yeah, because that's the because he he literally introduces himself onto stage by having someone say from Yogi Bear 3D, it's TJ Miller. Yeah, he loves that. (laughs) I had a bonus one. Let's hear it. Transformers. Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Transformers Joel. Age of Extinction. Peter Cullen. Peter, Peter Cullen, Cullen is the correct answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Abe, you got in last place this week. That's okay. Jordan, you put up a valiant effort. But Alan, by a nose, were able to win. You may remember me from such films as for this week's games. So good job. Damn Congratulations, right. Alan. Good. I'm really good, good at these games, guys. That was, hey, you were both good. You both did a great job. Abe, so you were there. It's AJ over here. <laughs> AJ. <laughs> we're job ass. All right. Ha. Yeah, let's, ja, ja, ja. let's move on now, guys. Let's get to Anna Presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Got a few things here. First up, Power Rangers. That's all right. So I watched it again with the commentary because I had to review the Blu-ray. It uh-huh. It is fine. Like, it's better. Than, it was better the second time just because I was... Better than I thought it was going to be. It was better than I thought it was going to be, but watching it the second time, it was better. It was, I think it was because I was, I was more willing to get with the idea that this is actually remaking the 90s TV series, because <laughs> like, that's what's so bizarre. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of nostalgia, tra- uh, Train Spotting 2 out this week. Uh, I heard that it was alright, too. It's, it's fine. I loved it. I thought it was good. It... There you go. Uh, Abe, your favorite, Chips. No, man, don't see, don't see that. <laughs> don't, don't put that on me, Aaron. Uh, the Belko <laughs> Experiment. Was that? What's worse, Chips or Baywatch? Well, Abe's seen only 15 seconds of Chips, so he, he the, by that he has an advantage right there because that's the only amount of movie that either of us have seen from those. So. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the Belko Experiment. I heard that that was kind of fun. It has its moments. It's not as okay. not as amazing as or good as I was hoping, but it, it's it's it has its moments. Yeah. Let's see, Prison Break, the uh, like that mini the season, season, the mini season that came out. Yeah. Yeah. I never watched. Sure, I never watched the show, so I didn't watch this new season. So neither have I. Uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Loved it. Uh, I've heard that's really huh? good. Yeah, I've yet to see it, but it, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's a horror film that's with Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch, right? And, Interesting. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, on Criterion Collection this week, Straw Dogs. 
The remake? No, yes, on the remake. <laughs> no, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård and uh, James Marsden and uh, Kate. I mean, we like uh, James Marsden here yeah. on the show, so you know, it's a possibility. Yeah, no, the original of Dustin Hoffman, uh, the Walt, right. Sam Peckinpah film. It's on Criterion this week. And uh, lastly, the Pink Panther film collection out on Shout Factory this week. Not the Steve Martin <laughs> films, <laughs> smartass. <laughs> the, <Okay. laughs> the, the Peter, the Peter Sellers films. Uh, so yeah. You guys pronounce hamburger the way he does so badly. <laughs> you want the, the the this one so badly the the Peter Sellers ones no. the, the Blake Edwards yeah yeah I'm gonna wait for Black Friday though yeah that's probably yeah. a good time to wait for it because that's a, that's a, that's a big idea. film set but yeah I don't need it right away yeah but... I agree uh, okay so that's what's what what's out now let's get to extremely cool your things that are now streaming uh, I I saw Patterson is now streaming on Amazon Prime and so I will definitely yeah, I make note of that because I, mean, I didn't watch it but I saw that it's there and so is Moonlight. Moonlight's been there, but Patterson, yeah, now there for the first time. My favorite film of last year. Just saying. Um, let's see. How long is it? How long is the movie? It's two hours. Okay. Uh, let's see. Glow. It's on Netflix, the new original series uh, from Genji Cohen, who did Weeds <laughs> and Orange the New Black. I, I assume professional wrestler Alan Aguilera is all about this show. I want to watch it. I haven't had time, but yes, I will devour it sometime soon. There you go. It has got an awesome Kong, who is a wonderful independent female wrestler in it, and I'm really excited to watch it. And also one of the trainers for the actresses was Chavo Guerrero Jr., who was famous wrestler Eddie Guerrero's uh, nephew. So that's right. awesome. A little tidbit for you. All right. Uh, Chris D'Elia, Man on Fire, new stand-up special for Chris D'Elia fans. Uh, let's see. American Anarchist. This is a documentary based off the, based around the person that wrote the American Anarchist, or the Anarchist cookbook for like, way back, who's now like an adult and kind of reflects on that experience, I guess. Um, let's see. Nobody Speaks, Trials of the Free Press. This is the documentary about um, Hulk Hogan versus Gawker, which was at... Oh, so, yeah. Which was at Sun- Ooh, is that out already? Yeah, it's, it's on Netflix now. Yeah, I heard a lot of good things about it as far as okay. the way it examines how online media gets to people. Yeah. And lastly, uh, Bong Joon-ho's Okja is uh, coming out this oh, week. Oh, that out? It's coming out on Wednesday, yes. Oh my god, I want to see that. So All bad. kinds of excited for that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, cannot wait for that one. Uh, okay, so that's extremely cool. Next week's show, next week we will be talking Baby Driver. Um, that is the that is the plan. Uh, Abe, you're not going to be with us next week, though, right? I don't think I'm going to be here next week, so uh, I'll catch up with you guys on Baby Driver when I get back the next next week. For sure. But yeah, that is certainly one I am looking forward to talking about, and we'll be excited about that. I also think we're going to do our, uh, our, our top five favorites of the summer. So far, the year so far next uh, week. The year, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is the, the year. It's the end of June, so we're literally at the halfway right. mark. So yeah, we're gonna kind of throw that in there as well, and we'll see what other, we'll see what other stuff we get in. Um, but uh, let's see. Last thing here: what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Jordan Grout, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, Transformers: The Last Night, obviously, <laughs> uh, or Wonder Woman. What are you seeing next? Baby Driver. All right, of course. Alan Aguilera, what do people see in theaters right now? I don't know. Wonder Woman, if they haven't. And I'm obviously going to go see Baby Driver, like, as soon as I can. So, yeah. Abe? That's all I got for you. <laughs> I echo Alan there, Wonder Woman, and Baby Driver next. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, as far as blockbusters goes, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, the Big Sick, if you can find it for sure, I think it's... That's like super limited release until July 14th, though, right? Yeah, it'll it'll eventually spread. But again, if you're in, so, if you're in one of those exclusive cities that has the Big Sick, I would say see it immediately. Sure. Um, but yeah, I and, you know, it comes at night while it's still in theaters. I would certainly recommend it. And this week for me, guys, is pretty crazy. I'm seeing Despicable Me 3, 
Brigsby Bear, which I'm looking forward to with um, Brigsby Bear. Yeah, with uh, what's his name from Saturday Night Live, Kyle Mooney, um, and produced by The Lonely Island, and um, Spiderman. I'm seeing Spiderman this week. So. Hmm. Spiderman Homecoming. Ooh. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah. That's uh, that's gonna do it for this week's episode, guys. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find my written movie reviews over there, as well as at whysoblue.com. You can also find me over on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe, follow me on Instagram Okie and Twitter.com/slash Moose. Hashtag Transformers. Please stop. <laughs> Alan Aguilera, where can people find more of you? Uh, Instagram uh, Aldo Rain A L D O R A Y N E. Uh, you can do Twitter. And then that one's the same thing. Uh, and then, you know, I'm just pitter-pattering around in Charlotte. So if you see me, come say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Grout, what about you? You can uh, go on Twitter at Amsterdam Chap. Or later this month, uh, Why So Blue for Comic-Con coverage. Very cool. You can find all the other episodes about Out There and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. Listen to all the episodes on SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on Transformers over at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com. Send us comments, feedback, whatever, facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast, or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. Send us plenty of gifts featuring Mark Wahlberg seeming out of his depth over at OutNowPodcast.tumblr.com. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's also our banner contest. Remember that, too. If you want to send us a Facebook banner, it'd be pretty cool because we're going to do a Facebook banner and you get a prize out of it. So it all everybody wins. Jordan, Alan, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is it's always fun. Yeah, for sure. Fun as always. And uh, we, we did it. We talked all about Transformers. We'll, we'll get you guys on the next Bayham movie. This podcast oh, my goodness. is a movie and uh, about 10,000 times better. <laughs> yeah, don't even watch the movie. Just listen to us for two and a half hours. There you Crazy go. Bet. Yeah, but until next time when we uh, drive with Baby, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until then, so long. And goodbye. Bye. some of the trailer for Transformers. Forgive me. We need a we need a voiceover from Anthony Hopkins telling us uh, that it was all a myth or we thought it was a myth. Humans. You want to know uh, what's coming here, don't you? <laughs> Humans and Transformers are at war. Optimus Prime is gone.
And then uh, Optimus Prime in chains, and the Maker's talking to him. My Maker. I uh, and then uh, I don't even know what else happens in the trailer because it's just a bunch of explosions. The key to saving our future lies beyond the buried secrets of the past. Oh, oh and, then, and then you have to have like the little girl saying, if your daughter were here, what would you tell her? Study hard. <laughs> no, no boys. <laughs> like, stay, stay away from a boy, the band, especially a drummer. Especially a drummer. Yeah. And then you have to have like the, the, the shot of her crying. I, I, I want to stay and I want to fight them. God, I forgot she was in that movie. That's that's the trailer. The movie forgot she was in that movie. (laughs) Do you guys ever consider just not playing the trailer and talking about your description instead? We we put it at the end. It's the bloopers. Okay. It's always the bloopers. (laughs) (laughs) It's generally the bloopers. I I think unless unless it's like a trailer that we don't remember at all, and it's a bad, it's a bad, like this is a bad take. Well, the trailer's better than the movie in this case. Well, it's shorter. We'll it's the eighty percent of the movie. Eighty percent of the movie is the trailer. It's, it's shorter, so that, I mean that's the key right there, I think. And yeah, Mark Wahlberg going, "You put that car down right now. You put it down. Go back in your hole." That's what they end that trailer on. Have you guys watched Crazy. the other? Did you any of you watch the other ones in preparation for this? Yeah. Oh yeah, I know you did. Well, I watched. I watched. Uh, I watched. Eight, I watched. Fifteen minutes of movie. I watched Age of Extinction. Um, oh, okay. Which is it took me like 17 years to finish because my god the movie's two hours and 45. But that said, it's still I think like the second best one because the other I movie, think... like if Transformers didn't have Transformers in the title, that'd be the kind of movie that gets Stanley <laughs> Tucci a Golden Globe nomination for best comedy because he's so good in it. It's it's, it's ridiculous. A lot of physical comedy too. It's a... if Age of Extinction were like an hour and 45 minutes, mm-hmm. it would be. A great summer film. Which it could be, because Stanley Tucci doesn't enter the film until an hour in. You could recap us yeah. on all the bullshit that happens before that, and we'd be fine before that happens. I like it. Anyway, this anyway. this fucking movie. Let's talk about it. All right. 